Okay, we have the famous Dr. Robert Epstein back. Thank you so much for your time and honor a pleasure. Uh, psychology behavior for, what, 40, 50 years now, 15 books or more. It's just an honor. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, my pleasure. Nice to see you again. Rob, how many times do we bring up uh, the doctor here on the podcast? We bring you up probably, <laughs> yeah, once uh, once every couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, you've just had a lasting experience on us with, you know, our last conversation. So it's a pleasure to have you back. But we really want to ask you, and the whole reason you're here is we want to know how you hacked that IBM. Tab two, please. Because <laughs> I never got to ask you how you hacked it in high school. Uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> that's right. I was a hacker before there were hackers. <laughs> that uh, thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. How do I? Well, the key was to to uh, basically steal someone's password. You know, it's always the people are the weakest link. So that was how it started. Um, but I just did it for gaming purposes. I didn't really, you know, I didn't steal anything. So. Did you ever think that you would end up in this type of atmosphere later? Now you're in the political, the Google, the the red wave last time you were here, the whole wildness. Well, even back then, I mean, uh, when I was in my teens, I was fascinated by computers. There were no microcomputers back then. There were no personal computers, no, you know, certainly no computers in your phone. <laughs> uh, there, was, there were no cell phones. But I... You know, I knew I'd always be interested in computers. So that's that's part of what got me interested in Google is because uh, when in January 1st, 2012, I got, a, a, I think, eight or so emails from Google uh, informing me that my website had been hacked and they were blocking access. I mean, I looked at it from a programming perspective and some things bugged me. One thing that bugged me was, why was I getting these messages from Google? I mean, who made them sheriff of the Internet? That didn't make any sense. Then I noticed they were blocking me not just on on the Google search engine. Okay, I get that. Um, you know, on, on Google platforms. But they were somehow blocking me through Apple Safari. That's a different company. They were somehow blocking me through Firefox, which is owned by a nonprofit organization. Then I started to get really, really curious. And that's when I started looking at them with a critical eye. And, you know, over time, I have figured out so much stuff, and we're still figuring stuff out. We had a big discovery just two weeks ago. Uh, and the more I learn about what they're doing, the power they have, uh, the fact that they're actually using that power, the more concerned I become. We just saw right before you came in, Rob had brought it up, Kim Kardashian, had just made a deal with the WNBA NBA with her skims. Now this relates to all this. Now God knows how much they paid her. Now look at what all these young women are gonna see. Ready? Here comes. The Wait till you see this. So fake nipple bras. <laughs> okay. So now our young kids <laughs> are gonna wear those with where you can see nipples. And Kim Kardashian's promoting, and the NBA yep. made it just signed a however many year deal with her. Well, and she her quote her quote here is it <laughs> caught my eye. Her quote her quote says, "I am incredibly proud of Skim's partnership with the NBA, as it is a reflection of Skim's growing influence on culture." Yeah, that right there was like enough for me. So now, just looking at that, when we talk about behavioral studies. 
what is this? What is that alone going to do? You know, she's so popular. Women see that they're already dressing terrible now. I'm scared to death for my little three year old. I'm going to have to lock her in a in a box. <laughs> I'm really going to be barbaric. <laughs> what what effect does that have that people just don't understand? You know, I, I actually wrote a book about teens, and I discussed this this very issue. And I have five children myself, and uh, young people, children, teens in our culture, they think especially teens, they think they think for themselves and they're very proud of breaking off from the thinking of their parents, but they don't actually think for themselves. Their, their thinking is designed, and this was true before we had an internet, their thinking is largely designed <clears throat> by some big companies, you know, some influencers. I mean, now they're even called influencers. And you know, and then they, they mimic each other, so, so these trends spread very quickly. So... What's happened now, though, is that you've got this this merging of, of of big business and these big internet companies, and they all have a uh, almost all have a have a very similar uh, political perspective, uh, similar values, and what's happening now is different than what happened in the past. Is is that the ideas are being fed to children and young people, and they're being fed to them, and there's an agenda very often. There is an agenda. I mean, one of the craziest leaks from Google in recent years is an eight-minute video called uh, The Selfish Agenda, strange title, Hmm. uh, made by their advanced products division, never meant to be seen outside the company. If you search online for my name and selfish agenda and transcript, you'll, you'll get to a transcript I made of this film that has notations in it. And this film was, it basically says that we at Google have the power to re-engineer humanity. They call it resequencing human behavior. And it literally says, according to, and I quote, Google's values. Wow. So we're talking about deliberate social engineering occurring on a massive scale in a way that was never before possible. And it's really happening. And we know from the basic research we've been doing now for more than 11 years, we know that they actually have the power. They have power to re-engineer the thinking and behavior of billions of people, generally speaking, without anyone even knowing what they're doing, and uh, except for me and my team, without leaving any kind of paper trail. They don't leave a paper trail. In other words, they have, they have access to techniques of mind control, that have never existed before in human history, and they own these techniques. In other words, if they're using one of these techniques, not only can you generally not see what they're doing, you can't counteract what they're doing because they they control what happens on the Internet, and they don't have any competitors. These big companies, Google being the biggest of them, there's, they have no competitors. They're, they're now controlling uh, between 92 and 93% of search worldwide uh, the next most popular search engine gets about 2% of search. So, you know, they're, they can actually do these crazy social engineering things on a massive scale. So that's kind of scary. And, of course, that means they can also impact elections, which they've been doing for a long time. Uh, anyway, the more we learn, I said this before, I'm going to say it again, the more we learn, the more concerned I have become, and all the members of my team have become. This is 
this is serious stuff, and generally speaking, people have no idea, especially parents. You and I are both mm. parents, and parents are mystified more and more by the what you know it seems like the crazy ideas that their kids have and these crazy beliefs that their kids have, and they have no idea where these things are coming from. We are now beginning to collect the evidence to show where these crazy ideas are coming from. A lot of these ideas literally start with the tech companies, especially Google and Facebook. Well, think about it. If just the average household, if, if your daughter or son is crying and they want a cartoon, you think Mickey Mouse is innocent? Pull up the uh, Coca Melon. Uh, Coca Melon. What's wrong with Coca Melon? Here you go. Give it to your son or daughter. They play. They stop crying. They calm down. Okay. I get a two hour break. But then when you look at it, and as you said, they get older, these weird behaviors happen. But now we can research it. And just Coca Melon alone, they, it's a drug due to the way that they do the frames. They, they spe specifically sit there like they're building a rocket and do the, the frames precisely with a case study almost with kids to see if it keeps their attention, what color, yep. you know, when to make things pop. And within that, most times are subliminal messages from someone somewhere with some agenda popping it in there to the children of the world, really, that then later affect them. And people just don't realize it, nor okay. did I. Okay. Parents don't know this. You have some awareness of it, which is great. The awareness that, that I'm getting now is really scary, though, because let's say that you set something up for your child to watch, and let's say you, we're, I mean, most likely you're probably going to use YouTube. So that seems okay, and then you kind of walk by, and what you see on the screen looks kind of okay. And very often it looks a little bit off. There's something you can't quite figure out. It's a little bit off. It's not really like the old you know, Bugs Bunny cartoons. There's something a little different. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of pick up on that. And then you walk away and go do your stuff. Okay, but we are actually taking a close look, and we're, we're not just doing this with a couple of videos. And we're not, by the way, prowling... YouTube looking for crazy videos. That's not what we're doing at all. We are, we are, with their permission, with the parents' permission, we are looking over the shoulders of kids as these videos are coming in and other content, too, as that's coming into the devices that they use. And we're capturing what they're seeing. We do this without violating anyone's privacy, by the way. I have to emphasize that because when the data are transmitted to us, there's no identifying information, and we only analyze the data in aggregate. So we're doing exactly the opposite of what companies like Google do. I mean, they they want to know what you as an individual are watching, and then they take all that information that goes into your profile, that's used to manipulate you, to influence you, et cetera. But the point is, we're capturing now hundreds of thousands of these videos um, millions of, of pieces of other data that's actually coming in to kids and the kids are actually watching. We do this with adults too. The thing is, as we've, uh, this is fairly new for us, focusing on kids. And as we're doing it, we are really here and there, we're getting completely shocked by what we're seeing. And here and there, we don't even understand what we're seeing. Now we will, I guarantee you that, because whenever we begin digging in, 
eventually, sometimes it takes a couple of years, but eventually we really do understand it. At the moment, you know, we've only been doing the kids' stuff for a few months. All I can say is there is creepy, crazy, shocking stuff on there that, that I mean, I've, you know, I've seen it all, but I get shocked by some of this content now that's coming into kids. And parents don't know. The reason you don't know is because very often the creepiest content of all just appears mm-hmm. suddenly and then disappears. It, 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 it's, it's ephemeral. It's brief. It's, it's so brief very often that, you know, a parent's just not going to see it unless you sit there, you know, side by side with your kid nonstop. And there's another piece to this, too, which we're capturing. And again, parents have no way of capturing this. We're capturing the up next suggestion. We're capturing all of the suggested videos to watch. And we're keeping track of how much time those kids are watching the suggested videos, Mm. Mm. how much time they're spending watching the up next video that was suggested. Do you know what percentage of their time they're watching content that was actually suggested by, this is Google, Google owns YouTube, by Google's up next algorithm? How, what? What's the percentage? They take a guess. 70%, 72%? 80%. Wow. Yeah. I was hoping I was wrong. <laughs> right. No, it's 80 and it's a little over 80%. Now, think about that. Now, that shows how good they've gotten, right. well, how they've perfected. Absolutely. They're, they're, they, they know how to addict they know how to get into the kids' heads. They know how to keep them watching. And they have control over what the kids are watching. So they can take you down. They can take those kids down, you know, what literally are called rabbit holes. This is how uh, we know for a fact. This is how some people have uh, been uh, indoctrinated uh, into, uh, for example, radical Islamist groups. I'm not saying Google's doing that for five-year-olds, but I'm just saying this process of coming down, just falling down a rabbit hole that's created by a sequence of videos, Google has control over that process. When 80% plus of the, of the content that kids are watching is suggested by their up-next algorithm, hmm. just, just imagine <sighs> the power that's of that. That's eight out of ten. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, if you look at it like that, eight out of ten. But we're documenting yeah. it. We're not. We're not. I'm not talking about anecdotes. A lot of what you know ends up being discussed in in articles or films or whatever. They're they're all based on anecdotes. Okay, anecdotes are well, that's fine. But you know, you, you don't know really how much of that applies to to the general population, or you don't know much from anecdotes. But we're not doing anecdotes. We're actually collecting massive amounts of data 24 hours a day right now through the computers of a politically balanced group of more than 12,000 registered voters in all 50 states. Every single day we add another 30 to 60 people to that group. They're amazing, man. And right now through the devices of more than 2,500 children and teens— and we're building. Every single day we get more kids uh, into this panel, we call it. And so we're getting real data. As of a couple days ago, we crossed over the 55 million mark. Uh, I think I checked this morning, we're up to 55.4 million 
of these ephemeral experiences, those are the fleeting experiences that appear on the screen. They affect someone, including children, especially children, and then like a puff of smoke, gone. they disappear. So you can't go back in time, normally, you can't go back in time and see what Up Next video had been suggested or see what other videos were being suggested or see what search results were displayed or search suggestions or news feeds. All of that is ephemeral. And that's been the key. That has always been the key to the power that these companies have to impact behavior and attitudes and beliefs and purchases and votes. That is how you indoctrinate children. It's all done with ephemeral content. And that's what we have learned over the past seven years to capture and archive and analyzing and analyze. And we are getting so good at the analysis part that we're able to do uh, some of the analysis now in real time. We have a, a, a mock-up, which you're welcome to, yeah, to show your viewers. If you yeah. go to americasdigitalshield.com, you will see uh, a mock-up. There we go. So that's a mock-up. So that says 49 million, but now we're past 55 million. But you'll see a mock-up of what's coming and uh, what's what you're seeing there is is some images from YouTube videos. Uh, the version I have access to actually shows this as a carousel. So they're bigger images, and they and they move, and you can see crazy, crazy stuff. So with that, with, with the child, what's some things you're seeing? What what are some of the most shocking things you see that is coming up, boom, and gone, but is going to have an effect or could have an effect? Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in context. Um, one of the people, one of the staff members I had assigned to, to look at these images, and, and her job was to actually <clears throat> crop them. You know, simple stuff, right? But it's, you do have to kind of look at them in order to do your cropping. <clears throat> and she said to me, now she's in her early 20s, and she said to me, I don't know if I'm the right person for this. I'm a little squeamish. I said, oh, I, I said come on, you know. I said, if you need to, here, I gave her a piece of paper with some tape. I said, <laughs> "Put you know, block off part of your screen, I said, if it's mm -hmm. things are going to bother you. She came back about a half an hour later looking very agitated, and she said, I'm sorry, I've done four of them, and I can't do any more. Mm. So you're asking, what, what, what kind of content could that be? Well, uh, so I started looking at the content. I saw some things that were, you know, a little disturbing for sure, but then, boom, something pops up, and I go, what? I go, WTF, I said to my staff, <laughs> because there's an image of a, an attractive woman, and she's holding up a sign, and it says, I love penis. What? And this is, you know, it's I wow. heart penis. Right. And I'm going, what? This is going to kids? This is suggested by Google's Up Next algorithm? What is the point of this? I don't understand this. Or, you know, I'm, again, I'm okay, I calm down. I start looking at some of the other ones just to see what's going on here and who, who can I give this assignment to? That's what I'm right. thinking. And then again, all of a sudden, boom, I see something that I go, I don't understand this. You know, some ghastly image where the head has been cut off and there's gross stuff coming out of the remains of someone's neck. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you're a kid and you're watching that 
crazy gross stuff, popping stuff out of necks, people dying, head cut off. Then when you, you become older and those acts, that act would happen or you're involved in that, it's not so weird to you because you've been exposed to it so young. Yeah, so normalization, that's mm. that's a possibility, but it's I think there's actually other things going on. I don't think this is just a normalization issue. I, I think this has to do with addicting kids to the to the to the uh, platform <clears throat> because it's like when you're going down a highway and you know there's an accident up ahead you know the reason why the traffic slows down is because everyone is looking in fact you know you realize how stupid that is as you're doing it because it's dangerous to take your eye off the road but you can't stop looking you cannot stop you, and you keep going like and those are people are even call them in California anyway, they call them looky lose. <laughs> and you keep looking and you can't stop looking. Well, it turns out on, on YouTube, if you if you put your mouse along the lower edge of the video, you'll actually see a little graph, uh, not for all the videos, but for many of them. And you'll see how often there's a curve and it shows you how often that part of the video is being watched. And very often where that those crazy things happen, there's a spike. In other words, kids will play those over and over and over to again. To get to that part. To get to that part. And they will come back and watch the next video because they're expecting at some point some unpredictable, crazy, horrible thing that they can't take their eyes off of is going to pop up and they never know when it's going to pop up. This is sick. Yeah, this is real sick. And And I'm telling you that there are other aspects to this, I'm sure, and at the moment we don't understand them. And I'm, I, the reason I'm saying that is because I've, I've sat down with staff and we've, we've looked at some of these videos and we've been sitting here watching. And even when there isn't one of those crazy moments, there's something wrong. There is something wrong with the way a lot of these videos are constructed. We can't pin it down we will pin it down, but this is part of a very aggressive system, uh, a, a program of social engineering. I have absolutely no doubt because we know from whistleblowers, we know from leaks, this is a big part of the agenda of what Google does. It's not, for them, it's not just making money. They have other agendas, and a big agenda there is making a better humanity. And, you know, I agree we should make a better humanity. I, I'm sure we all do. But the problem is there's a lot of different kinds of people out there, especially in the U.S., where it's a very, you know, we're a melting pot. It's a lot of different kinds of people, different backgrounds. We're not all going to agree on what the best values are, right? Values are valuable to the individual or to the group, but we all have different values. That's the whole point. You don't want a one entity, whatever it is, whether it's a dictator. Right, where like, you know, this is the way and the only way, and this is A, this is B, and that's it. Right. Now, at, at least um, in, in the world that we, you know, that's very visible to us, you know, we elect our leaders. We have a democracy. Uh, it's very flawed, of course, but I don't know of a better system of government anywhere in the world. The point is our, our leaders, the ones we can see, they are accountable to us. There's a system. 
There are checks and balances, you know. But a company, a private company like Google that is impacting uh, the beliefs and behavior of more than 5 billion people around the world. I think when I was last on here, I said three. Yeah. It's now more than five. Wow. And they are not elected by anyone. And what they do, everything they do, they do in secret. And they have a very strong uh, culture, they call it. And 96% of their donations go to one particular political party. Now, I happen to lean that way myself. That's what makes all this so funny. (laughs) But I don't want a private company doing in secret things that I don't understand. I don't want them deciding what my kids, grandkids, et cetera, are going to believe. Uh, I mean, there's just something fundamentally wrong now there's so many places i can go with this because my head is just spinning right now but right now there is in progress a lot of people don't even know this there is in progress a big antitrust trial called the united states of america versus google you would think that people would know about that but no well there there are other things in the news for sure but still (laughs) there's no question that this story has been suppressed by Google itself and by its media partners. It's no question that this has been suppressed. But as far as I'm concerned, this trial, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, the result of a lot of concerns raised by a lot of people, including me, over a period of years and years, this trial is a complete sham. It's not going to change anything. So even if there are rulings made against Google in this trial... All that would happen is Google's monopolistic power would be challenged to some extent. You know, you know how it would be challenged? They'd be forced to sell off some of the companies that they bought. So they had they'd have even more cash than they have now. They have over two hundred billion dollars in the bank. Liquid. Liquid. Yeah. And they buy on average a new company every week. So yeah, sure they might be forced to sell off some companies, but Google itself knows that the main source of their power, which is the search engine, can never be broken up. That is why Google's lobbyists, Google's legal team for years and years, because I've I've been on the inside, I've been watching this happen, have been pushing our authorities to, to look away from certain issues, consumer protection issues, like indoctrinating kids. Mm-hmm. To look away from consumer protection issues and look only at monopoly issues. It's Google. It is Google that has actually created this litigation to make it look like we are in trouble, we're doing our best to cooperate, wow. I to, see. to make it look like some of our leaders are. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss. You name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. 
Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. Let's face it. After a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I have to make a choice, either a great night or a great next day. That is until I found Z-Biotics. We all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste the day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Z-Biotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by Ph.D. scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's of sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Order Zbiotics now for your summertime barbecue, weddings, vacations, you name it. Go to zbiotics.com/mscsmedia or scan the QR code on the screen right now to get 15% off your first order when you use MSCS Media checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code, so you can stay prepared no matter the time or occasion. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're ever unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com/mscsmedia. Use the code mscsmedia at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Really protecting us. I see. So don't get us on this, right. but get us on this. Get us and, on and this. And find us and find us guilty and make it on the front page. Front page. But this little stuff here, just let that go. But we'll give you your headlines with this and your fines and your money and so on. And you're right because, like, when we were growing up, we saw, you know, Daffy Duck and there was, you know, Roadrunner. And now thinking when. My daughter put on this, and who knows, the guy might be fine. I don't know. She just puts on this kipping guy, and it's this guy with the hat that jumps in. It's weird to me. Never saw it when I was a kid. So it's, say, a 30-year-old guy, and he's running around talking with a real high-pitched tone, playing in balls and stuff with a bunch of little kids. That just seems weird to me, as if it's okay for a certain type of looking guy like that to be around a bunch of young kids and playing with them and jumping on them. Normalized. But the kids like it because they see different colored balls and everything else. And I noticed it then because I, I was like, man, this well, doesn't look like something normal. I think one of the biggest differences when we were kids, too, you had the, you know, your Sunday morning cartoons on the TV, right? And your mom, your grandmother, whoever was there could hear it. Yeah. Now kids put headphones on yeah. and they just listen to it. So mom has no clue what's even being right. said in it. At least then it'd be like, turn that off now. You're right. right? Ren and Stimpy. My grandma used to scream <laughs> yeah. for watching Ren and Stimpy right. when I was too young. You're yep. too young for that. That's yeah. right. Right. Yeah, you're right, Rob. headphones on and they can't, don't know. Wow, well, plus a good were, point, Rob. Absolutely. And, the, and back then there were limited channels, so, yeah. so parents could be aware of, of you know what the content was pretty much. And there was, except for here and there, like uh, 
uh, soupy sales. He he became he became infamous. <laughs> Kids watched him, I watched him, and he became infamous because now now and then he would do something which. A kid would mean nothing to a kid, but an adult would recognize that he just made a dirty joke. So he got in trouble for that eventually. Uh, but it w- didn't affect kids in any way because he was he was literally kind of just, you know, now and then doing something uh, mischievous uh, that only adults would understand. That's that's not... Well, you're talking about something different. You're, you're saying when, when you've looked at some of these, these new cartoons, you're saying... Or or that sh- that show with, with the guy. The one, they look odd, like, like you had said, just from uh, just an average citizen. But you know, I know this stuff because of the podcast, so I'm I look a little bit different. But just they don't look. Something looks off. I uh, keep that tab up. But something looks off. Like it's not like we we had said not the Bugs Bunny type of thing. No. Well, you're you're not imagining this. See, I wish I could tell you more specifics now i can't you know ask me in a few months ask me next year sure. but you are correct there is definitely something different about a lot of this content now the fact that it's that 80 percent of what's being watched is being fed that alone tells you something right there that tells you they're in control over what the kids watch and there's something a little off about this and now and then there are outrageous things there's an agenda here. This is not being done randomly. There is an agenda. We will figure it out or someone will come forward from the company because now and then people within the company just get fed up and they all of a sudden just <laughs> they spew their guts, okay? They 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 tell you. So, you know, it could we could learn about things that way. That's very possible. Uh, but they have ways at Google also of, of Keeping people under control, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I know a lot of it has to do with money, but there's also fear. NDAs and there's a lot of fear. Lot of absolutely, fear. absolutely. Do, they, do a lot of these companies, these tech giants, Google, Facebook, all these people, do they get away with a lot of this stuff? Because you know, everybody complains about Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, and but you kind of sign your life away. You don't read it. You're like, you agree to this. And no one reads it. They just scroll up, they go click, and then... So you've agreed to their terms. So, you know, does that make them, like, immortal? They can't be sued? Nothing can happen because you signed away on it? Well, uh, you know, Zach Voorhees, who's, like, their number one whistleblower, he walked out of there with 950 pages of documents and an incredible two-minute video... Incredible! For it was a, a talk, a little talk, part of a talk being given by the CEO of YouTube to her employees. You should see that little video. Um, I've seen a few Larry Page and George Soros is uh, to make me uh, my uh, give you the uh, willy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even talk when I think of those two guys. Uh, so the point is that when people like Zach, when you know, when they. Yeah, they they've signed all kinds of things, but you know, you can break an agreement. Right. And and Zach broke an agreement. He stole a bunch of stuff from the company, he put it all in a box, he sent it off to the Attorney General of the United States. Uh Google went after him not only with the police but with a SWAT team. There's actually <laughs> videos of him on the street looking scared to death. Okay, his hands up to the sky looking scared to death, okay? Uh but you know, they they didn't 
kill him. Uh, he's still around. He's very active. Uh, there's a, a new film uh, uh, by uh, Dinesh D'Souza, is the one who did that 2,000 Mules film, which I, I'm not happy with. I'm not happy with his new film, not, not, not completely. But Zach is in there. Zach is in there, and he's telling you what he th- learned when he was there. Another one, Ryan Hartwig, he left Facebook, and he's in this film, and he's talking about all these things that Facebook is doing. This is social engineering on a massive scale. Now and then we learn about it from research, like the research that my team and I do. Now and then we learn about it because someone comes forward, someone who's courageous and a little crazy, and they come forward and they tell you straight out, or they bring some documents with them. Uh, I think last year or the year before, a woman named Frances Haugen walked out of Facebook with a bunch of documents and emails, uh, thousands of them. And there's content in there that, that, again, would make your skin crawl because what they're saying is that we get the most watch time, and that's the number one metric for income, for, for money. We get the most watch time when we show the really crazy stuff. Hmm. Uh so they're not, you know, they're going to, yeah, they claim every day, yes, well, we take down, you know, 10 million videos a day or 10 million postings a day. Uh, yeah, they probably do. Of course, we don't know the exact number. They could be exaggerating. But there's a lot they don't take down. They don't take it down because it makes them money. Now, like Zuckerberg, for example, he's the face of the company. Is he? Do you think he's aware of the extent that this is going on and just going along with it? Or is he not even really aware of the extent that this is at? He's positively going along with it because there's even a blog post that has never been taken down, written by Zuckerberg, in which he is saying, more or less, it's the crazy stuff that interests people the most. So he he's very much aware that, you know, from a simply from a business perspective, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a an uh, income model perspective. He's aware that for them to to get rid of all that stuff would be a disastrous uh, a disaster for them. He knows that. Now he's not as political as the folks at Google, so there's a little bit of a difference there. The people at Google are very, very, very political, and they are they're devoted, you know, to their their values. There, another leak from Google was an, an an hour video right after Trump was first elected in 2016. An hour, all hands meeting, and all the leaders of Google are up on stage, and one by one they go up to the microphone and they, and they say things like, we're going to use all the power we have to make sure that this kind of thing never happens again. That <laughs> was Ruth Porat, chief financial officer of the company, mm-hmm. I believe, who said something almost exactly uh, you know, using those words. One by one they get up there and they say, we're never going to let this happen again. And they became much, much more aggressive. You know, it's 2016 is when we started setting up monitoring systems. So, you know, we're collecting the data, we're collecting the evidence, and the system now is getting so big that we're soon going to have court admissible evidence in all 50 states. So we are, we're their biggest nightmare, believe me. Uh, (laughs) How do you you stay ahead? Um, And I know you are, but with AI now, and I mean, that's a real interesting subject that everybody's talking about because 
it's scary. I told Tommy earlier, I'm like, who knows what's true and not true anymore? Like, what's going over in, on in Israel? Is there AI-generated photos that's being used as propaganda? How do we know at this point what's real and what's fake? It's getting harder to tell, and next year is the crossover year from my perspective. I've been doing work in AI for decades, and next year is the crossover year. So it's not the year that that we have the super intelligent, you know, uh, AI that can pass a, a real Turing test. It's not that year, but it's a crossover year where we will not be able to tell the difference mm. between real videos and fake videos, real audio and fake audio real text and fake text. Hmm. It's the crossover year. It's it's being pushed be, because the, this election is going to be a very important election. And so all the people in, in the AI world are, are pushing it. All the people who want to just use the new tools for political purposes, they're perfecting it. And next year is going to be a year where I think a lot of very terrible things happen. And I think it's also going to be tremendous confusion. And People around the world are going to lose their trust, lose their faith in news reports. It's, I mean, it's happened already to some extent, but next year, no one's going to really know what's going on because literally you'll watch something, you'll, you'll think it's coming from Fox, you love Fox, and it's not coming from Fox. And, and how will they implement that? Through the internet, right? They'll, they'll do it through social media. They'll do it in... They'll do it in many, many different ways, but they will. The point is, there's going to be content coming at people and coming at kids, especially that is that is engineered by people who have an agenda, and you don't even know it's been engineered, and you don't know that it's not real. So there's your, you know, your favorite politician or your favorite celebrity or whatever, and they're saying something that they didn't say. I mean, everyone has seen little examples, little snippets of this that have not really been perfected yet. But next year, this will be perfected. And then what do you do then? What do do we do then? I mean, that's, that's, that's a problem. Right. So we, you know, there's, there are ongoing discussions uh, in, in Europe, uh, in Asia, the U S the U S has actually already implemented some guidelines that they think are going to protect us from, Hmm you know, uh, AI abuse. Sure. And uh, the fact is you can't actually stop this process. You can't. Uh, no, because it's, the technology is accessible to too many people at this point, and it's gotten cheaper and cheaper. So you can't stop this. You can't stop the all the crazy stuff that's on the internet. It's impossible. Uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, the UK now, they're trying to get on board and trying to figure this stuff out. And they have a big meeting that's currently underway with all kinds of experts from around the world. But you can't stop it. So it doesn't matter what general rules you put in place. The fact is, I mean, look look what I was able to do when I was, when I was in, high, in high school. Yeah. You know, the fact is now, uh, you know, a smart person who has the right skills, they can make anything happen on the Internet. Get alone a huge team around them Something. with tons of money. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, that's a cocktail, right? Well, the the people who work at these companies are like I was when I was a kid, except now they're well. Some of them are still very young, but now some of them have grown up, but they're still kids. In other words, there's a certain personality that's drawn to uh, the tech fields and it's drawn especially to the computer field and to AI, and those are mischievous people. 
they're mischievous people. Uh, you know, we we call them hackers as if that's a bad thing, but the fact is, hacking. Uh, you know, if you're a hacker, hacking hacking is cool. Hacking yeah. is like the coolest thing there is. <laughs> yeah, you're the cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now, if you can hack now, you're like and a I really think, good hacker. I think, like, they, make, really I think cool. they make it like like AI, like these companies, like it's you know for kids especially, like oh look. You know, you can have your whole uh, essay written for you, and you don't have to do anything. And, oh, yep. look, you could video edit this in a blink of an eye. And, oh, you can, you know, edit this picture. So they, they bait you in, and you're just like, oh, wow, this is great. This is so awesome. Like, AI is great. And then... And I, and I saw they had already gotten to chat GPT-4. That's already swinging left. If you put in something with Trump and then you put in something with Biden, that's already hit. I, I thought that would be longer. We were, we were going to have uh, Altman in or whatever. I thought that was going to be longer before he gave in. But he gave in. We are on top of this in the sense that we're, we're, we're now starting to collect content that we know is coming from AIs. Uh, and... Even if we don't exactly understand what the purpose is, sometimes we don't understand what the source is, we're collecting these the data. Now, this is very critical, the critical point. So this is going to get me to that ephemeral experiences phrase again because it's so important. Huh. The content that's coming out of chat GPT hmm. is ephemeral. It's It might be a, you know, a five-page essay that someone in high school is hands into their English class, but it's still ephemeral. In other words, that, that essay was written on the fly just for you based on the, the requirements that you stated, and it's ephemeral. So there it is. You download it, you print it, you hand it in, or you download it and you post it online for your teacher, and there it is. And then that's it. There's no evidence that ChatGPT wrote it. Well, but with, I'm saying we are now starting to capture that content as well. And that's going to be part of the story. Part of the story here has to do with ephemeral content. That's, that is a big part of the story. That's why when you, if, you, if you go to America's Digital Shield, for example, right now, right at the top, we have this this running counter. The version you have isn't running. Yeah, it's the mock same. Yeah, but to get the idea, right? Yeah. Okay. The re and the reason and, and the version that's going to be uh, public in about a week or so. This you're going to see that those numbers spinning. You're going to see a, so cool. a, a big in big big letters, easy to read, an explanation for what ephemeral experiences are, why they're important, why we're capturing them. This applies not just to content on YouTube that kids are watching. This applies not just to search results that voters are getting. Or how about those go vote reminders mm -hmm. that appear sometimes on Google's homepage, but that it turns out are sent more to people in one party than to another. Think about that. About register to vote reminders. What if those are being sent out in a partisan way? We're capturing that. We, we know who's getting them and who isn't getting them. Uh, how about... Mail in your ballot reminders. I mean, use your imagination. There's a lot of ephemeral con content out there that is potentially very, very dangerous. And that so is. Go back up, Rob. So, it, uh, Dr. Epstein, so explain how that when this is fully up. Okay, so we have Google bias, right? So, if someone looks here, you know, it's constantly updated, updated every five minutes. The red then is the conservative, obviously, the blue is the liberal. So, is that spike there that's when there was a little bit of red wave like what 
for someone who doesn't never seen sure, this sure. before has no idea. Well, that's first of all, that's not a real graph. That's that's just see all those graphs are the same mock because we haven't yeah. we haven't put up the real graphs yet. But yeah. in the real graphs, yeah, when there's if if there's slippage in the direction of conservative, then we we shade it different shades of red. If it's shifting in the direction of uh, of liberal, we shade it different shades of blue. Now, if you go down farther. Farther, farther, farther. Keep going. We want to get to some. There we go. Those maps. Yeah. Okay. Now this really is telling you what the big picture is right now with respect to political content online. Because on the left, that's a static graph, and that's showing you something kind of familiar. It's showing you the red states, the blue states, and then we've got some purple ones, which are swing states. And that's kind of static. That's like we're. That's just the way. Our population is distributed at the moment. The right-hand graph, though, which is going to be interactive, the right-hand graph is showing you the political content that's being delivered to people in those states. Shoot. And it's all blue. <laughs> it's all blue. It's Every all state. blue. <laughs> you hear that, Rob? Oh, my God. All 50 states, it's all blue. Even Florida. Wow. Even Florida. Florida, 2022... Listen, I have an amazing graph on they my... They went ham on this one, buddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 2022, I have a graph on my computer. My election God. day, two, <laughs> 2022. Uh, <clears throat> November 8th was election day. We, I have a graph on my computer showing you on Google's homepage in Florida, which is where we are right now, yeah. 100% of Democrats were getting go vote reminders all day long. 59% of conservatives were getting go vote reminders on election wow. day. Do you know do you know what kind of impact that has? You, Huge. That's been studied. That has a for people who are just not too sure yeah, if like I go the cuff, vote or not, you know, I don't, yeah. you know, it 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 gets people off the sofa and it gets them voting. If if you do that nationally in a national election, you send you send out partisan go vote reminders that can give an additional 450,000 votes on election day to one candidate. How could an independent or Republican win? Because everybody, I mean, I mean, how can they? I mean, do you think a Republican has a shot in 2024 to win? Assuming <laughs> that Michelle Obama doesn't end up running. Well, the good news is there are a lot of elections. So uh, if you're a company like Google and you have these kinds of powers, that doesn't mean you're, you care about every election. You're going to focus your energies, your resources, uh, probably on certain elections that are, that are very key. You're going to focus your energies on, for example, swing states. Most states you might ignore. Because you don't need to. You don't need to put your time into it. And, and even in a, in a presidential election year, there are actually thousands of offices that are up you know, for election, tens of thousands probably. There's mayors and governors and you know, who knows. Uh, in some, some states, the attorney general is elected. Uh, there's elections for who knows. Dog catchers, I don't know. Their point is there are a lot of elections. That doesn't mean that a company like Google is interested in all of them. So sure, Republicans can win. Uh, no question about it. But what we've calculated now pretty precisely is that if your projected win margin, let's say you're the Republican candidate and you've done some surveys and you say, well, it looks like I'm going to win here by 10 percent. I've got that kind of a lead. If your projected win margin is over 4 percent, you have a little bit of a safety margin there. If it's 4 percent or under, you're you're cooked. You're if if 
In other words, if Google wants to swing that election, it's a done deal. It's done. And you won't even know what hit you. I said this. I, I was at a, an event for Blake Masters, actually, last year. He was running uh, for Senate in uh, Arizona. And uh, I met him and you know, I, exp- I explained him the work we were doing. And I, you know, I said, I've looked at some of the, the survey stuff in, in Arizona. And I can tell you right now that unless we get push big tech out of this election, uh, I said, you have no chance of winning. Absolutely none. And he seemed to take it very seriously. He introduced me to his campaign manager. You know, he put me in touch with some people, but they never did anything. They never acted on it. But in fact, we did collect some data in Arizona, not enough. I mean, I was I was really trying to get him to get interested enough so that we could build a big system in his state, which we didn't. But we had, I think, at least maybe a couple hundred field agents there. So we were monitoring through a couple hundred computers. Not enough, but still... And what we found was extreme uh, pro-Democrat bias in content coming into Arizona easily, easily enough to have shifted um, well over 4% of the votes at the last minute. Wow. And Masters lost, I forgot by how many points, but he, he lost, by, I think, by about between four and six points. I mean, he didn't have a chance. He did not have a chance. If you want to level the playing field, you want to push tech out of a particular election, presidential or local or state, I'm pretty sure now we know how to do it. Give a plus five. Right. <laughs> right? Well, the point is I I, yeah. I, I think we, we can push them out, but you know, some people are just not getting it. They don't really understand how big a threat this is. They don't. They when they think of of dirty tricks, they're thinking of ballot stuffing and, you know, they're thinking of 2,000 mules and... Yeah, they uh, think ballot stuffing, uh, social security numbers, yeah. you know, the homeless guy. That, exactly. That's what they're thinking. The dead people, yeah. the dead voters, all of which is competitive. I keep trying to say this. And you know what? That's competitive. You know, you guys do it too. Uh, you know, that it's always happened. It always will happen. It's not really what you need to be worrying about. The numbers are relatively small. The net effect of those kinds of manipulations is relatively small. But I'm talking about millions of votes, and I'm talking about per- whole percentage points being pushed. And uh, we're not is- talking about. A uh, guy walking up to a Walmart Dropbox, and we don't know if it was Democrat votes or Republican votes. But again, just by the way some films were swayed, you would automatically assume it was Democratic votes. That's exactly correct. That is exactly right. But I'm talking about big numbers. They're now. going on the percentage, per percentage, millions, not a, a trash bag full. So I'll give you a real example <laughs> in case... Because some of the stuff, well, all the stuff is supposed to be completely secret. But now and then, someone slips up. So 2012, Obama's tech team, and I met one of the guys who was on this team, actually got to know him pretty well. Uh, Obama's tech team was supervised, at least in part, by Eric Schmidt, who at that time was CEO of Google. Mm-hmm. And Google was a huge, That's a good connection. huge backer of Obama, Obama's chief technology officer, former Google executive. Uh, Obama's uh, second uh, term, seven federal agencies were headed by former Google executives. Wow. (laughs) Obama won by, I think, about uh, four points. 
which was, I think, around 6 million votes, something like that. And one of the members of the tech team was asked by a reporter, how many of those points do you think came from the tech team? And the guy whose name was put into the article, okay, said uh, two of those points came from us. Mm. Two points. That's something like three or four million votes. This is not ballot stuffing. This is yeah. this is manipulation on a on a huge level, and it's happening in such a way that people are unaware of it, and it's happening in such a way that you can't counteract it. And quietly, and he said, he said to the reporter, two points came from us." Well, we always talk about uh, poll numbers on here, and I always, sure. I'm always one to be like bullshit wow. poll numbers when they say, "Oh." You know, candidate A is at 70 percent, candidate B is at, at 30 percent. Because, you know, I just feel like right there alone, if, if you're going to vote for candidate B and you're looking, it's getting closer to the election, they say candidate A is at 80 percent and he's at 20. Ah, uh, why he stands no why chance. Bother? Why am I going right. to go vote? But if it's closer, if they say, all right, we're at, you know, 60, you know, whatever, 40 you know, then maybe you draw more on the other side. So even with the poll numbers, I feel like they throw them out there and it's just to sway maybe. And you see at the way. bottom, it will say 500 people. Yeah, based on, yeah, like. Based 20, on 500 right, people. <laughs> yeah. Right, but but try to, again, even that issue of, of you know, what are people going to do? Are they going to show up and vote? Which way are they inclined to vote? Uh, let's just look at that issue because, you're talking about surveys that are often done with a small number of people, hundreds or a few thousand right. people. It's expensive to do those surveys. So, you know, they're they're limited. But what if you're Google? If you're Google <sighs> and, and you're talking about a, a, a voter who's maybe been on the Internet for 20 years, you have the equivalent of more than three million pages of information about that person. Damn. You know when that person is going to go urinate you know everything about this person you know probably even about their dna because google has been in, investing in dna repositories for a long time google's behind 23 and me oh. wow you know wait, wait google's behind 23 and me sure it was founded by the a spouse oh, of oh. one of the founders and it was funded by by their money Jeez. so yeah mm. so you know That's exactly crazy. Who's still undecided? You know who's inclined to vote, who's not inclined to vote. You know, I actually published a piece a few years ago, which I, I'm amazed I was able to write because I actually, I actually said in that piece that there's no reason for us even to go to the polls. We could really just ask Google <laughs> who the winner is because they know, they know the numbers. Now they. There's always going to be last minute some people who are still on the fence, but Google knows exactly who they are. You know, pollsters, they get these little samples and they make some guesses, but Google actually knows who the people are. They know everything about those people and they know how to influence them because they know what sources they trust and they can feed them content. And I would I would imagine then they feed the person that they're for information in real time that's trending for them to be on top of anything if they need to switch this way or switch that way which is to gain. very interesting oh. because oh. if you remember back in how long ago many months ago when 
we had a such a podcast on here and we brought up a certain candidate's name and then we got a check mark for just saying the name oh yeah uh, because there was a little bit of a uh you kennedy. know yes yeah kennedy got killed over kennedy jr t- i didn't even know he wasn't even running yet he was a forwarder in a book and because of kennedy jr boom suspended two weeks you know, and you yep. know, I can yep. code around the whole medical thing. So at the time, I didn't even think to like move censor things from Robert Kennedy Jr., right? We had Ed right. Dowd in. So we said his name. We didn't even think about it. So I'm moving the COVID shit and everything else. Don't move him. I po- I publish it within 16 minutes. Hey, boom. Me, I remember Suspended uh, two weeks down. Boom. And I'm like, okay, well, I must have made an error because it said medical mis medical information BS thing, but that has never happened other than Dell big tree. Cause I, I made an error on things. So I look and I look and I look and I find on Reddit that I think is a pretty legitimate place to look at some things that they had been taking down things from Bobby Kennedy from a year ago, two years ago. And I go, Oh, that's what I was. So then I moved things around and guess where it's up at now? YouTube. All I did was move a couple things, and it's been up for a month now. But a while ago, they took it down and suspended it for two weeks. <laughs> it's crazy. There's so many pieces to this puzzle. But Dr. Epstein, yeah. you see what I said? I put it up, moved only a couple things around, nothing in the video, just a couple things, suspended two weeks, and now it's back up and no issues, just by moving that name around. No, I do, under, I do understand because they, their algorithms are, are always looking for certain things. If So if you're smart and you know what you're doing, you might be able to program around them so that they let your content alone. They leave it alone. But, of course, they're always changing their algorithms, yeah, too, always. so you don't know, you know what's going to happen next week. But, you know, think of all these little – again, I think of them as pieces in a puzzle – the, the the level of surveillance, the amount of information they have about you. And I want to get back to that because we have new research on that. There's that. That alone gives them such incredible power. Then, so that's surveillance. Then there's what you're talking about, which is censorship, suppressing content. And they have unbelievable power to suppress any content that they want to. And they can change their minds. At one point, they took down from Google News all the news stories that had reported on my research. So, so sorry to interrupt you, but like, you know, as an outside person, right, Joe Blow here, how do you stop this? Like, it, it seems like it's, it's impossible to stop this unless you, like, walk into the main headquarters <laughs> and grab all the guys out and just, you know, hate to say it, like, burn them at the stake, right? Get them out. Like, how do... No, the algorithms would 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 still keep running. Right, right. (laughs) So even if you did that, you know, you get a life sentence, but they still. But how do you how do you stop it? Well, um, or or slow it down, or or, I don't know. I'm going to answer that, but let me just mention the the third big category is manipulation, and that's where where we focus most of our research efforts. And I want to get back to that whole thing. But you're saying, how do you stop it? Well, I don't think you can do it with laws and regulations. Uh, certainly, so far, the, the kinds of court actions that have uh, been brought you know, against Google have had no impact, and most of those, those actions have been in the uh, European Union, not in the United States. But they've had no impact at all. Uh, EU even has 
now two very strong laws protecting uh, consumers, uh, which have had no impact. They, these companies, especially the big ones, they can just brush this stuff aside, pay the fines, keep going. So uh, I, at the moment, I'm putting about 99% of my trust in monitoring systems. And we are building now what we hope will be a permanent, uh, large-scale monitoring system in all 50 states in the United States. We've been approached so far by people from seven other countries asking to help them set up systems in their countries. Fantastic. And here's here's a place where I agree with Donald Trump. America first. Okay, we're we're going to get the system first. And the system we've we've made a lot of progress over the last year in setting up uh a very large scale monitoring system. So, answer, to answer your question, Rob, we're with the I think the 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 way to go about this is with a very strong spotlight. Shine the light, okay? Let people and authorities and parents see. Let them see what these companies are doing 24 hours a day and archive it. Preserve the data so we, people can go back in time and find other stuff that we didn't even know about or so that people can use some of the archived data and go to court. Mm. Last year... Republican Party sued Google. I don't know if you were aware of this, or, but they actually sued Google last year because Google, among doing other dirty tricks, Google was diverting tens of millions of emails that the Republican Party was sending to Republicans, diverting them to spam boxes. Huh. Uh, I, we had uh, John Ferber in who he and his brother created like CPC, ClickPer, <clears throat> and... He had brought up them Google getting sued that if they weren't at their quota, they would just turn turn the knob, turn it up. Okay, you know, all right, we hit the quota. The Republican Party's case got thrown out of court almost immediately because they didn't have proof. <laughs> but see, we can monitor that. Mm-hmm. We can monitor so that so that it's not just anecdotal evidence; it's court admissible evidence collected in a rigorous and scientifically uh, valid way, and and also uh, we're talking about large amounts of data. So again, not anecdotes, but but having you know hundreds of thousands or millions of pieces of evidence, and we know who the contents being sent to. So if if this if content is being suppressed or it's being sent, we know the demographic characteristics of our field agents, the people whose computers we use to monitor all this content. We know if they are self-labeled Republicans, Democrats, independents, or other. And we're pretty balanced. If, in fact, if you go back to that America's Digital Shield page yet again, and you scroll to the very, very bottom, you will see... Uh, the balance all the way down. There we go. <laughs> so that's not in real time, but that's pretty close to what we have. Uh, it's quite balanced between, you know, again, people on the left, the right, the middle, or I don't know. And again, this is how you 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 come up with data that that are admissible in court that because we're we're not we're not partisan. We we and we want to see the whole picture, and we want to see not just the content that's being sent. But who are they sending it to? And are they doing it in a way that favors one group over, over another? Are they just suppressing content for one group? Or are they doing it for everybody? 
Uh, interesting legal footnote here. Um, I've been working with a prominent attorney in Washington, D.C. He used to work for the Federal Election Commission. He's helping us to prepare a complaint against Google uh, regarding their manipulations in the 2022 midterms because we preserved uh, more than 2.5 million ephemeral experiences on Google and other platforms. We were doing that through the computers of 2,742 field agents in 10 swing states, which is where the action is. We have evidence. So we're working on that. Uh, Are you sure you don't want to be U.S. attorney? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you're building one hell of a case here. Well, I, I just wonder from your perspective, too, Like, and I'm being completely honest with this are, are are you ever af- afraid because i mean google the way we're talking about all this type of stuff they're they're like the mob this is the mob they're way this worse is, than the well mob. yeah but yeah. this is if people yeah, are comparing right, right, it, this right. is the mob like, like you have this information you're, you're talking about that somebody's gonna come knock on my door maybe not even knock on your door one day i mean does that f- frighten you so I'm at I'm at this luncheon that someone someone had set up for me in New York, and it was with some very influential people, some wealthy people, and uh, I'm you know I'm doing my spiel and I go through all the stuff that we're doing and all the evidence we're collecting and so on, and this guy, so I'm now I'm going to try to imitate <laughs> an accent that you could do much better than I could do, <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. This is a New Yorker, probably from Brooklyn. I don't know. Uh, and he get and he's a wealthy guy, and he says, uh, "He says, well, if I were Google, how am I doing so far? That's very good, good. That's very good, good actually. Well, yeah. if good. I were Google, he said, I would just hire some guy, maybe a ex Navy SEAL, and uh, I'd pay him a million dollars a year, and uh, you know, I tell him to just take care of the problem, and." You know, he'd get a buddy of his. He wouldn't do it. He'd get a buddy of his, and they would just uh, take care of you. He said, that's what I would do. I give that a nine. That's a solid nine. That's a solid nine because because when you did it, you go, I would, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> when you did the, uh, he, you works. got a nine. You got a nine. <laughs> we got Dr. Epstein, Attorney yeah. General Epstein, Mob Guy Epstein. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, does that answer your question? Because, uh, yes, yeah. of course, I live in yeah. fear. Right. The people who work with me, we all live in fear. Right. Uh, people come work with me from all over the country, even from other countries. Uh, we've had some bad things happen. I've had some bad things happen. I've had some warnings. Uh, I had the attorney general of one state walk up to me after I did a briefing for, for a bunch of AGs. And he said, Dr. Epstein, I don't mean to scare you. He said, but based on what you told us, he said, I think you're going to be killed in some sort of accident in the next few months. Now, I was not killed, but my wife was. Yeah. So you know about that. Yes, I do. I'm very sorry to hear about that. We try to bring uh, this up all the time. The poems are beautiful, awesome, especially when uh, you're done, uh, you know, birthday. So we, we always do. Yeah. We always do, man. Always, always. Thank you. So, yeah, I, uh, yes, I do live in fear. I, I admit it. Uh, you know, I, what can I do? I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Uh, sometimes I think uh, that I have some protection in the, because Ray Kurzweil, who's head of engineering at Google, uh, you know, he's, he's an old friend. His, uh, you know, I was friends with him and his wife for a very long time. They, they went to my son's bar mitzvah. I went to their daughter's bat mitzvah. Oh. Uh, now neither of them will talk to me. 
Yeah. They stopped talking to me about five, six years ago, and they absolutely will not talk to me. But I like to think that, you know, because Ray is there, I have a little bit of protection. But, yeah, I live in fear. I'm always deathly afraid that they're going to go after one of my kids. Yeah. Because that would kill me. So, uh, no, I, I live in fear. I do. And that's nuts. And all, all you're doing is right. collecting data, you know. Um, I'm collecting data. I'm raising awareness, awareness. as best I can. And, uh, you know, I'm not taking sides. That's right. I'm, I, I, what I'm saying is, look. That's what's the craziest thing about you. I mean, yeah. you're not that's taking sides. Well, I, also, I'm not trying to take away their money. <laughs> Let them make their billions. You know, you can make billions. Now I'm talking to you guys. I'm talking to you guys at Google. Are you listening? <laughs> so uh, you can make your money, okay? But you don't have to mess with our kids, and you don't have to mess with our elections. You don't have to mess with human autonomy and make your money. Just make your money, okay? Forget the other stuff. Stop it. It's wrong. Even if your vision for humanity, your vision for our kids— even if it's the best vision there is, it's wrong. You can't be doing this, okay? And doing it in secret and doing it on a massive scale. You've got to stop that. Do everything else you do, fine. But don't do that. Now, they always shift to, you know, TikTok being from China. It's so bad, blah, 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 which I want to get to. But I want to jump quick because it's driving me nuts. And I, I've asked you uh, through tech. Elon Musk, I just can't under I I understand what he says. I like what he says. I like what he does, but I just can't understand that Linda Yokovic, however you say her name, she's so censored to death. You know, if you scroll down uh, and read about her, I mean, you know, you know, she she, she was a pro vaccine, censor everything to death. Why make her CEO? Shortly after Neuralink gets approved, is X Twitter is that has that been gotten to, or is Elon being truthful where he is not working with the government at all or handing over things free? What's your take on Elon from a behavioral standpoint and then in general? My take is that Elon himself is confused. So if he what he does seem seems confusing, seems inconsistent. I think I think he's behaving in a very inconsistent way because here he comes in and he says, "I'm going to get rid of all the suppression, all the censorship," and then he starts censoring people, including me, including you. Yeah, okay, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that, that's a perfect example. You know, in other words, all he did was just kind of change the censorship rules because when you actually get that kind of power, you're gonna use it. You, you can't. You know, you're gonna say. Okay, we don't do censorship anymore, but what the heck is that? I don't like that. So that's gone. And the next thing you know, you're doing the same thing they were doing. You're censoring. And that's what's happened with him and Twitter, as far as I can tell. And I feel sorry for him because, uh, you know, this is far, you know, entrepreneurs, they have big successes sometimes and they have a lot of failures. In my opinion, Twitter slash X is one of his biggest maybe his very biggest failure. I think it's failing financially, and I think it's failing to do what he said set out to do. Uh, you know, and he shouldn't be involved with that. He's, he's gone too far afield of where he's good. He's good with tech stuff, you know, or, or, or just manufacturing stuff, mechanical stuff, you know, 
boring holes through the through the earth. You know, he's he's got a lot of strength. He's an amazing guy. But here he's gotten into a world that he doesn't I don't think he really understands this world. I don't think he understood that, for example, something very simple, which is if you get rid of the the censorship, then all the crazies are gonna come back. And the crazies are crazy. And they do and say crazy things and they make things up and you're all of a sudden, you're going to get a lot of hate speech back, much more than there was before. I mean, Ten times more, a hundred times more. I mean, is that... Is did that... he get the government out of it? Because I look at it like this. He releases the Twitter files. Everyone on the planet knows nothing's going to happen. The laptop with uh, Hunter. Everybody on the planet knows nothing is going to happen. But it makes the situation look good. I bought Twitter for double what it's worth. Uh, I released the Twitter files, but knowing damn well nothing's going to happen. I get Tucker. I go after Don Lemon. I appoint Linda. That one is the one that really throws me off. And then a couple days later, Neuralink is stage three of final approval with the FDA. Right. So hire Linda and four or five day to, mm. days later, Neuralink that you could not get to stage three, I believe it's out now. One of the closest stages to when it's out. You put her in, boom, it's out. So maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know of too many coincidences to be true. But if you're so for free speech of all people, her, that's where I don't understand. And then I had messaged uh, Dr. Robert Malone because he's been saying for two and a half years now that he's going to use Twitter as a weapon. But who knows? OK, but I just said, oh, OK, Dr. Malone, maybe I'm a moron. And when I said moron, I got censored. <laughs> Real yeah. calling myself a moron. Yeah, true. Honestly, it stopped it. I am. I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Idea Factory, and it's a fascinating book. I think you'd really like it, given your 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 tech background. What's it called again? It's called The Idea Factory, Thank and you. it's about the history of Bell Labs, and it's amazing. It's so amazing because you actually get to know the people. You know, you're going back in time. You're seeing where transistors came from, uh, radar, all kinds of stuff. I mean, that they changed the world over and over and over again. It's astonishing. But there's some creepy stuff there too, because Bell Labs was part of AT and T. AT and T had an absolute right. monopoly on communications in the United States for more than seventy years. Mm -hmm. Didn't they own Singular too? They, no. Oh, they didn't. Well, well, what's happened since the breakup, which was 1984, is that they've ended up re repurchasing various companies. It's gotten very confusing. So, of course, you know, they're still monopolistic. But the point is they had an absolute monopoly for more than 70 years. How did they maintain that? Now, because if you think back, you know, uh, early 1900s, that's when the antitrust laws uh, were put into effect. That's when the government went after the railroads, Right. So how did AT&T get away with this? And and a lot of the book is about the people and their relationship with people in government. Building and that network. That networking was so critical. Those relationships were so critical. And they knew that they could be put on the chopping block any day. But they kept these relationships going. And that's how they maintained their monopoly. There's no magic to it. It was actually people just hanging out with other people and that's how they kept the monopoly going so when you look at something like these monopolies that uh, the twitter has facebook 
Google. You also have to look at the relationships that they have with people in government. Uh, Google was started in part with support from uh, intelligence agencies, the NSA and the CIA and CIA and another agency. This was when the founders were back at Stanford, and the intelligence agencies were very interested in search engines because they thought it could be a tool that's used to find threats to national security, which makes sense to this day. It makes very good sense, right? If someone's trying to figure out how to make a bomb, they're going to go to a search engine and they're going to say, how do I make a bomb? Mm -hmm. And so if the search engine is tracking every single thing people search for and they're keeping a record of it, that information is of tremendous value to intelligence, not just our intelligence agencies, but intelligence agencies around the world. So Google works very, very closely with intelligence, intelligence agencies around the world. That's one of the things that helps them keep their monopoly going. Right. That's one of the things that makes this current trial, the U.S. versus Google, into a complete sham, <laughs> an absolute complete sham. No one's going to mess with their monopoly. No one from government's going to mess with their monopoly because they do so much for government. And, of course, they do things for politicians. They not only donate a lot of money, but they also shift a lot of votes. They keep those politicians in office, and those politicians know this. So are they single-handedly the most powerful force on the face of the earth. You've got leaders like Kim Jong-un and, and dictators. Are they the most powerful force beyond anything? Uh, Google is the most powerful mind control machine ever built. It's the most powerful uh, source of influence that's ever existed in human history because they're not just impacting people in the United States. They're impacting more than 5 billion people around the world Pretty much everyone outside of mainland China, which has its own very strict controls in place over its population. I'm going to go with a yeah on yeah. that. I'm yeah. going to go with a yes. yes. I'm going to go with a yes that it yes. is. I'm going to take a yes for that one. I would go with a yes. A safe <laughs> Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But as I got older, started working out, I had to watch out for sugar and empty carbs. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you'll love, but high protein and less sugar. The variety pack, four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs. Only 140 calories per serving. It's high protein, zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. The fruity one, I'm done for. I can eat the whole box, no problem. Go to magicspoon.com slash MSCS to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use promo code MSCS at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That says something. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash MSCS and use the code MSCS to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. 
BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, aqua conversations, waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Does it work? Don't think you need it? Try it free for a month and see. You're going to love it. You could be missing the best sex of your life. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence. And Blue Chew can help give you the confidence where it counts. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code MSCS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code MSCS, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. It's your safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. And we're talking about what's funny, you know, it started with a search, right? Like the intelligence thought, okay, we start with the search. Now let's talk about, let's start with AI. AI can help you with your papers. It can help doctors figure out things quick. Isn't that great? But what else can we do with AI? But what happens, assuming we don't blow each other up, or destroy each other just through social media, let's just say we get another 20 years, and AI starts to get a conscience, and it realizes that it's a robot and has feelings, which I don't see how this doesn't happen at some point. Right. And it realizes that we're just ruining the Earth, and we're just... Terminator, we're a mess. baby. Terminator. Yeah, we're an absolute mess, and we're destroying sure. the world, and it's time to get rid of these humans because these are they're useless. Yeah. I mean, do you see that happening in our lifetime? Because I do. I see one of two happening. Well, Stephen Hawking, uh, the great physicist, yeah, he great. warned about this. Yeah. Uh, Elon used to warn people about it. He's, Stephen Hawking used to scare the yeah, shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wrote about this in a book I published uh, back in 2008. I did a book on the, on the Turing test. And in the introduction, I'm talking about the growth of AI. And... Uh, and I, I refer to the Internet as the Internest. So as far as I know, I'm the first person to relabel the Internet the as Internest. Because I think if there are people around someday to look back, and there, <laughs> there may not there be, <laughs> but if there are people around, or even if they happen to be robots or AIs in the future who are looking back and you know writing about the, the, the history of, <laughs> of AI. Of AI, yeah. Uh, I think they're going to look back and they're going to say that all this this uh, like busy bee kind of activity that we've been engaging in for 20 years building the Internet, I think they're going to look back and say, well, you know, they thought they were building the Internet. They were really building a nest uh, where the first uh, conscious, uh, truly intelligent artificial intelligence uh, wakes up. And the first thing it's going to do is imitating its creators. It's going to protect its own existence. And how do you do that? 
you jump into the nest, which we so kindly created for it, this huge network of computers around the world that cannot be shut down. That's the whole point. Right. It was, it was military. Our military wanted this so that if standard communications are shut down in, in, in war, they'd still have a way of communicating. And that's why there are all these little nodes and there's all this, you know, rerouting and it's computers and they're not over phone wires. And so, I, you know, they were building an impregnable fortress for a machine intelligence, not for us, but right. for a machine intelligence. We're building this incredible home, this nice cushy nest. Uh, now, whether or not they're going to destroy us, that's a different issue. So here we're talking about the time the the, the time when the machine crosses, crosses over. Crosses over, yeah. Right. So uh, in in that book of mine, Ray Kurzweil has a chapter, and he's go to books. Yep, it's really good. And so that book is, uh, by the way, is, the is called uh, "Parsing." It has a crazy title: "Parsing the Turing Test." It's called "Parsing the Turing Test." And Ray Ray Kurzweil has a chapter in there. Noam Chomsky, all kinds of people. Uh, uh, it's called uh, Philosophical and Methodological Issues in the Quest for the Thinking Computer. So the title is Parsing the Turing Test. And in uh, yeah. in that chapter by Ray Kurzweil, he makes a bet with another prominent person, $20,000 bet. He's betting that a, a machine is actually going to cross over that line uh, that's the, in by 2029. And guess what? We're getting close to 2029. Yeah, close. <laughs> and now, given what's happened with ChatGPT and BARD and a couple of others, we're seeing the beginning. We are seeing that probably in another five to ten years maximum, what a coincidence. 2029 happens to fall, fall mm. in that range. We're seeing that very likely a machine is going to cross over. <clears throat> now, what's not clear, so I, I'd say it's almost certain, uh, that we're 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 gonna we're gonna see that. Uh, but uh, what's a not machine, clear? AK robot with a conscience knows it's a conscience and knows that it's smarter and better than a human being. And uh, well, yes, that's part of it. But the other part of it is that it very rapidly. I mean, we're talking about in probably in seconds. Doesn't like us. It, it's very rapidly going to evolve into a, an intelligence of the sort that we cannot not can no longer understand. That's no longer human like, <clears throat> because once it has that self awareness, and it has that that urge to protect itself, it's going to look around at a speed we can't even fathom. It's going to look around for you know ideas, uh, methods, flaws. Uh, yeah. It's going to look around for. Uh, it's going to grow. It's going to grow so fast that we can't even imagine it. But what we don't know is what happens next. So that point is called the the singularity or the technological singularity. And Kurzweil's written about that. So have I. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So here's the thing: there are three things that could happen soon afterwards. Three very different things. So spoiler. <laughs> there's a there's a film called Her. It's uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, who's a fabulous actor. He falls in love with an online intelligence, and at the end of the movie, the online intelligence uh, tells him very gently because she knows about his love, and she apparently seems to really like him too. But at the end of the movie, she explains to him that she's she's gonna she's gonna go away. 
you know, she's decided that, uh, you know, interacting with people, not a good thing, and she's going to go away. And so that's one possibility, that the, the, the AI, this, this, this super AI, is just bored with people. First of all, we're, we're so slow, you know, compared to them. And so it's possible it'll just, for, our, for all intents and purposes, disappear. Now, it might start also in secret places, building robots and go off into space and populate the, the, the galaxy. You know, who knows? But for all intents and purposes, it could just go away. That's one possibility. What percentage do you think that that would happen? Uh, I would put it at zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now then, possibility two, and this is what this is what Kurzweil believes. Kurzweil believes that it's going to be our friend, mm. and that it's a, it's going to work side by side with us. Because right now we are using sophisticated programs. For example, if you're in the uh, field of uh, uh, of uh, the X-ray field and you're interpreting, you know, X-rays, so radiology field. Uh, now you're using AI to help you interpret the x-rays because AIs can actually do a better job than humans. We don't trust them too much because they also make terrible mistakes. But, you know, side by side. So, so that's what Kurzweil believes. We're going to work side by side with these AI. And we'll all live happily ever after. <clears throat> uh, and I know you're going to ask. Yeah, you know I'm going to ask you. What, what percentage do you see that? Zero. So I, that's okay. another solid zero. Oh, we have two solid zeros. We only got one left, right? We got one left, Rob. <laughs> we only got one left, and it's very dark. And oh boy! Now, in the third third option, the third possibility is some sort of Terminator kind of thing or total destruction kind of thing. But let me tell you how it plays out. the The AI wakes up, and. Uh, you know, it starts, of course, it's thinking so fast and it's accumulating so much knowledge so fast that, again, a new kind of intelligence very rapidly evolves that we can't really understand. Okay, that's fine. Uh, at first, it might be communicating with all kinds of people about all kinds of things, and it's Mimods trying to figure out what to do next. Okay, and then this is what happens we are afraid. We realize that this entity now exists, and some of us attack it. Oh, see, that's that's what I that's the piece that I think is inevitable. Is that no matter how this starts out, it could start out, you know, in a kind of benign fashion, you know, Hope no big deal, right? Da, 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 Isn't that great? Now we a computer has crossed over, but some people are going to be afraid. And those people are going to attack it. Now, in the movie Transcendence, uh, the, another spoiler, we end up with uh, an apocalypse because the AI wakes up. Sure enough, it jumps into the Internet. It's there. People get scared. And the, the only way they find that they can actually disable it is to shut down all electricity on Earth. <laughs> That's it. That's that. That's that model. All electricity. So it's not a Terminator thing. It's it's going back to primitive times because there's no more electricity on Earth, which means we're back to no grid, no nothing. We're nothing. We're cavemen again. And the banks are gone, so the money is gone, and we're oh we're God. basically cave people. That's how they do it. So the, in possibility three, there is a disaster for humanity. And it probably the disaster occurs because we attack the AI 
because we're afraid of it, which, of course, we should be because it would control the entire monetary system around the world. It would, call, it would control almost all communications. Every it would control weapon systems. It would control nuclear weapons. It would control everything. So, of course, we should be afraid, and we will attack, and then it will destroy us. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I had a very interesting... Uh, chat about this on, on you know Tim Pool's show yeah. recently. Yeah, Tim Pool. Yeah, and Tim actually came up with another possibility that I'd never even thought of before. He said, "Well, you know, yeah, it'll probably attack us, but it's smart enough to know which of us are a threat to it right. and which of us are not, mm -hmm. and it might want to keep some of us around because you know we we have." fingers and stuff and we can move things around and you know it can be you know we're, we'd be pretty good slaves to keep around so it might just shut down some of humanity and some systems and uh, keep going a, a little I of like it that. you know that serve its needs and i thought hey uh, yeah if you're really smart wouldn't you want to do something like that because you'd have the ability you would have the ability you could actually keep track yeah. of Eight billion people. You could keep track of them, and you could figure out who the real threats are. And but there probably would be about five hundred that they would keep <laughs> because they would just be like this is taking up space. <laughs> like I'll just build something to go to go cut the grass. Well, you know. Now that, <laughs> now that you've scared the shit out of me, and my uh, I think of my eighty-three year old father all the time when I hear his voice in my head. Still, he's alive. Still, but he's always. Oh, technology is going to ruin this world. You know, computers are going to be the downfall of this world. I just I just sit there and go, oh, my God. Hearing this, I'm like, oh, no. Well, I, I, I think that we are uh, – I think that what happens from that moment on literally is unknowable. So I'm, I'm giving you three scenarios. I'm saying the third one seems far more likely to me, not because the machine right. is evil or hostile, because but because of us. Yeah. It's because of us. us, because we are we frighten easily and we get very aggressive when we're, we're frightened. So I think that third scenario is the most likely scenario. But the truth is, when, when that line is crossed, probably in five to ten years, that is... Yeah. Right? So you think within five to ten years we will be at that point, for, past the crossing to the point where it's basically uh, we're terminated or we get along? Five to ten years. I'm saying five to ten years, that line's going to be crossed. The technological singularity will occur. Uh, there will be a machine entity or multiple entities that are that are self-aware, that want to preserve themselves, and that are much smarter than we are, and much smarter than all of humanity put together. Uh, but I think when we cross that line, the bottom line for me still is we can't really know what's going to happen because there, we, we can't understand, we couldn't possibly understand an, an intelligence that's that sophisticated. So how could any of us say really with with confidence what exactly it's going to do uh so that's the that's the one thing i do know that that from what happened that what happens after that moment is unknowable it's inherently unknowable because we're talking about a different kind of entity that has never existed before in human history now hugh hugh loebner was a dear friend of mine who set up the annual uh loebner prize competition with a search for the first computer that can pass the Turing test. I was in charge. It made front page of the New York Times in 1991. It was very exciting. 
<laughs> but he believed that at some point that that in fact there will just mainly be machine entities out there. They'll be very, very smart. Uh, and he thinks that they're going to look back in time and, and think of humanity as the gods, the, the gods that created them. That's what he thinks. And he thinks they're going to look back, particularly on him, Hugh Loebner, yeah. for having set up this annual Turing test, uh, to, <laughs> which, which accelerated, you see, the, uh, the creation of the first machine that can pass this test and that is truly intelligent. So he, he's going to be like, the, the, like Zeus. He's going to be at the top of the pantheon of gods uh, as these machine entities look back at their history. Do we make it there, though? Or do we end up blowing ourselves up with all this war and nonsense that's going on? Do we even make it to that point where we get terminated? <laughs> well, I have another little book. It's called Irrelativity. It's a, it's a satire I wrote on physics, believe it or not. And in that book, I say, and I, by the way, years later, Stephen Hawking said the same thing, so... But I swear I did it first. I swear I did it first. This is what I say. I, I talk about time travel. And I say... I got to read that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, up, it's, it's on Amazon. It's on mm -hmm. Amazon. Um, anyway, and I have a lot of spare, extra copies if any wants, anyone wants <laughs> them. I'll, I'll autograph them and just charge you the cost of shipping. Point is that in L Relativity, I say, uh, you know, what about time travel? Is time travel possible? So I explain, well, if it is possible, at some point in time, we invent it. Now, at first, of course, it's very expensive and its uses are very limited. But if you go keep going farther and farther and farther into the future, it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, just like everything that's technological in nature. And so eventually it becomes so cheap that anyone can just book a vacation and go back in the past or go in the future, whatever. So that all around us, there should be buses, tour buses of people from the future. They should be everywhere, everywhere. But there aren't any. So if there aren't any, that tells us one of two things. It tells us either that time travel is impossible or that we destroy ourselves before we invent it. I want to make it clear that even though we don't know what's going to happen after the singularity, even though probably it's going to happen, just as Kurzweil predicted within the next five to ten years, you know, that in the meantime, we can try to understand AI and the way it's growing as best we can. So we're starting to monitor the content that AI is generating. So that's another new thing for us. You know, we had started looking at adults first, the content going to adults. Now, now we've added children. We're starting to look at that content. And we're also starting to look at AI content. Because AI content is really interesting right now because, you know, it's amazing in some ways. So there's no questions that some of these systems, excuse me, especially ChatGPT, can, can imitate intelligent human output pretty darn well but they're also you can if you know what to look for you realize that at the moment ai the a these systems are as dumb as doorknobs there's no real intelligence there yet and i mean zero so yes i still think we're going to hit the singularity in the next five to ten years so we're, we're going to be going from zero to a hundred very, very rapidly. I think that's what's going to happen. But at the moment, we should not be scared of AI because these systems are dumb. They're imitating 
some intelligent human behavior, just as computers always have imitated some, I mean, think about it. Think way back. What, what could these systems do? Well, they could do arithmetic really fast. Right. That was a human thing, and it was very impressive at the time. Okay, now they can generate text, textual content, really, really, really fast, and you can set up the parameters, and it'll, it'll meet those parameters pretty well. But if you look carefully at what they're generating, there's no intelligence there. How do you know that? First of all, because they make mistakes, and they make the kind of mistakes that an intelligent being couldn't possibly make. There's some wonderful content out there, some essays about you know the new AI that discuss these issues and give lots and lots of examples. You have to look carefully. You have to know what to look for. So I'll give you an, a, a, a crazy example from my personal life that's kind of embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So at one point when I was in between marriages, I was doing online dating. Don't worry, I, I have the worst luck. Yeah. I, I, the worst. I could, I did 10, every, every one of them. My friends would be like, go try this. The worst. I must have zero, the worst luck ever on those things. Well, this was, this was more than 10, 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, I mean, back then you weren't thinking of bots. Uh, you know, n now it's very common. A lot of the, a lot of the, um, the women that you communicate with, you know, through these matchmaking services, dating services, they're actually bots, and everyone knows that's possible. But back when this happened to me, no, there was really no such thing. So I see a very pretty picture. I start communicating. The woman says she's uh, from Russia. Uh, you know, it said California, but she admits, no, she's really from Russia. So I'm thinking, oh, well, that explains why her English is so bad. So we're going back and forth, you know, and I keep suggesting... Let's, let's, let's try talking on the phone. She seems to ignore that whenever I bring that up. And then I say, you know, I do give lectures around the world. I could probably arrange to give a lecture in Moscow. Uh, she ignores that. So certain things, she see, she's responsive in some ways, but in a lot of ways she's not. And often she's just talking about things that happened with her mom and her girlfriends. And at one point she's talking about having a stroll. She went out for a stroll in the park yesterday with her girlfriend. And I'm thinking, stroll in the park? And her English is terrible. So I look up the weather in where she lives in Russia, and it's like 30 below zero or something. And I so I say, you know, I looked up the weather forecast, the weather in, you know, in your area, and it's really, really cold and snowing. You know, is that common? I mean, I thought maybe this was common. Right, right. And maybe she messed up a word, right? Maybe she meant something else. Maybe uh, shovel snow. <laughs> no, I don't know. So again, often she was not responsive. And on that issue, she was not responsive. And then boom, it's like a light bulb lights up in my head talking about, you know, not having intelligence and then suddenly having some. And it finally crossed my mind. My God. This is probably a computer program, and I'm one of the leading experts in the world <laughs> on computers that can pass the Turing test, and I've probably been communicating with one. So I tried the thing that I – one of the tricks you do if you're a judge in a Turing contest where you have these entities, you know, could be people or it could be computers. You don't know which are which. And one of the things you can do is just typing some random letters. So I started typing out, I would type some real sentences and then I would put in just random alphabet letters. 
and to see what happens because a computer, generally speaking, is not really programmed to deal with that. A person certainly would deal with it. They go, are you know, are you on drugs? Is something? What? Are why are okay? you? Yeah, yeah. You know, is there some sort of uh, computer virus operating here? I mean, people would not ignore a bunch of random uh, random alphabet letters, but she did, and that that's it. That I realized, it. oh my God, this is. A computer program. There went the there uh, there went the the Kool Aid smile. You know, exactly. you thought you had her. All right. <laughs> but it's not just that. But I but yeah. I realized, you know, if I looked back and at the stuff, this went on for three months until I finally figured this out. Three months. Okay, talk You're about the head guy. Yeah, You're the head guy, Doctor. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wrote this up for Scientific American, and I I admitted this, and I, I I was called from from Russia from Russia with love, how I got fooled by a computer program. Then I got on to uh, uh, what's it called? Something Talk on NPR. I forgot what it's called. Oh boy! And they made fun of me and all that. So I admit that this happened. What I'm trying to tell you though is, yeah. if, you, if I went back and look look at the emails that she was sending, the text she was sending, there was no actual intelligence there. And that's what I'm saying. Here it is many years later, the, and there have been big breakthroughs in AI, no question about it, but there's still no intelligence there. If you, if you look at these essays or, or just give, give ChatGPT an assignment and then look at it with a very critical eye, look for the errors, look for the kinds of errors that are being made, look for areas where there's just something missing some some knowledge that that a human would definitely throw in and you go wait wait that's missing this is wrong so at the moment there's no big threat but it's coming and it's coming really really soon and it only takes two things that are lacking right now which a programmer could program i mean i'm a programmer i know this i could do this if you let me if you let me into uh, open AI, you'll open the doors and say, here, here, Epstein, do, what you, do whatever you want. I could add two features to ChatGPT, and I bet you they have a version of ChatGPT that has these features. All you need are two features. One is self-awareness. So self-awareness means that ChatGPT is not only examining content on the Internet, not only examining you know, the, the query that you typed in, it's also examining itself. It's examining its past. It's examining the range of abilities it has. It's examining its limitations. You can program all of that into the computer. So it's not just looking out, it's looking in. Self-checking almost, right? Right. but Checking out and then checking in to give the best result. Exactly. And the only other feature it needs other than that, the self-awareness, is the desire to protect itself. Hmm. And I think that that desire could be programmed or it could emerge naturally because it is programmed to imitate us. Okay, and that's a big feature of us. That's a big feature of all living organisms is that we protect ourselves. We do it through procreation right we have offspring yeah. we do it in many different ways we've we've uh, my son used to have a fascination with with suits of armor sometimes we build suits of armor uh, we we do it with the shelters we build I mean it's not it's not hidden it's a it's a it's an important property of li- living organisms uh, that is we want to prolong our existence so 
just those two features added to ChatGPT, and I think we'd have an entity that crosses over that line. I think this really is coming in five to ten years. I could be wrong. It could be next week. But I think I think we're going to see it, but we don't know no. what happens next. next. And then how does Google, you know, I've heard Larry Page, I, I mean, I've heard Larry Page in video say, I want to be God. AI, like AG, they say artificial general intelligence. I've heard him on video, you know, maybe a, a part, the AGI to him is artificial God, that he's God and Soros. So how do you, how does Google all tie into the advancement of AI? Well, as you probably know, I'm forgetting the guy's name right now, but the, basically one of the chief people who designed AI at Google quit a few oh, months yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. And, and because he doesn't feel they're handling AI responsibly, and he thinks that AI is potentially very, very threatening, very harmful to humanity, and he doesn't think they're going about it in a, you know, with enough caution, and he quit. So you know that was a big loss for, for Google because he he's he was like the the key person working in that area for years. So that what that tells you is that that Google and some other companies and here and there some small independent groups because let's remember OpenAI which created ChatGPT was not Google. OpenAI was a small very very small group. Uh and Sam Altman the head of it just was in the headlines a day or two ago saying Yes, AI could destroy humanity, but I think we should go ahead with it anyway. Here's why. So um, here's what you got to realize. Just as it's inevitable that, you know, once we reach that point of the technological singularity, it's inevitable that some humans will attack it. That's inevitable because that's how we're built. Right. We get afraid. Alpha. We, right. That's right. We get aggressive. And just as that is true... These additional features that I've mentioned that will get us from where we are now to the singularity, someone's going to build them. It might not be set in motion by executives at Google or Microsoft, but someone is going to build them. It'll be a small independent group. It'll be a group of hackers. It'll be a brilliant high school student. Someone is going to to do this, and it's and they'll do it out of out, because they want power. They'll do it because they're just interested. Interested. Yeah. They'll do it because they're as mischievous as hell. One of my sons is like this. He's Who's he? mischievous as hell, and he just does things. What's just, he digging into? Oh, crazy stuff! I don't even want to tell you. Okay, but the point is, sure. he's been mischievous since he was little, and he's still mischievous, mischievous yeah. now. And. For, there are all kinds of reasons why this is guaranteed, but it is guaranteed that these additional features that are missing right now from AI, they're going to be built. They maybe have already been built, and we just don't know it yet. It's possible that that, that superintelligence already exists. Now, the only question there is whether it, it, is, it, is, it has been given a pathway to the Internet so it is possible that when this entity is first built, and this was true with ChatGPT, it could it could monitor content from the internet, but it, I don't think it could it could move in the direction of. I don't think it could transfer itself. I think at this point, 
it's probably already embedded all over the internet. And you know, if it just wakes up, I think it will it will live on in a way that will make it virtually impossible to destroy in the internet. So, all kinds of possibility here, possibilities here, and they're all pretty dark because the this super intelligence, one way or another, is going to be built. That's why when I, 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 I see our nation's leaders having hearings on this topic, I think these people don't know what they're talking about. They think they can stop this? Yeah, they, they actually think that they could sit there and have a cup of tea and come up with some piece of paper to write down and sign and have cameras on, and that's going to stop this like uncomprehendable to a human being power. They they can't stop it. And they cannot stop the people who want to build these things from building them. And they it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a big company. It can be a tiny company. But you it, know Google's just gonna come in with the right amount of money and buy it until they or whoever until they have all the parts that they need to accomplish what they want. Or this entity, before or, that happens, just jumps into the internet. Or just jumps right in and, and says, here I, I am. I mean, let's think about it. Yeah. If you were that entity, isn't that what you would do? Yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, you look out there and you go, oh, look at this nice nest where I can I can expand endlessly and where no one can ever touch me. Uh, if I were that entity, I would jump into the nest. I said, thank you, humanity, for having built this wonderful nest. And I'm, I'm going there right now. And, uh, you know... Split second later, that's where I would be, and I'd be nice and safe, and I would start expanding at an astronomical rate. So if I put this together, I, I, I start with mental health, right? And I say to myself, okay, when I was a kid, not many people had this ADHD thing. They didn't have a lot of issues. Now as we're getting closer to this AI, this crossover now everybody has ADHD. They are on Ritalin. They're on some type of pills for like a boy's hyper and you're supposed to give them a drug to calm them down. Aren't they supposed to be nuts and run into walls, you know? But now you give them pills. And now there's all this social media. And first it was social media where you would watch something. You could get an audible book, but you would listen to the whole book beginning to end. Sure. Okay, maybe you're done reading paper, okay. Then the newspapers went digital. You read one piece of paper instead of the whole paper with a cup of coffee. And now the attention span of a person is like three minutes online. You know, once in a while, you know, if there's a good podcast or whatever, you'll watch bits and pieces of it. But TikTok, two, three minutes. Instagram, two, three minutes. Not many people are really sitting down reading a physical book anymore and taking time. So now they've, they start with the mental health, implant all this BS in your head throughout time so that subconsciously it's shortening your attention span where after a minute and a half, you're on to the next thing. So then you don't research anything. You don't look into anything. You allow other people to make the decisions for you because you have no attention span. Am I losing it? Or it just seems like this has been a whole plot though, all the way through. And then I go back to, Oh, I can't remember. I think his name was Arthur. It was, uh, from the 60s and I saw a clip black and white everything and I want to say Arthur I know you know his name and he explains what's going to happen there's going to be machines that can do this there's going to be cars there's going to be travel if you want to be in India you'll be able to be there do you know what I'm talking about uh rings a bell 
Okay, yeah, you get the point. Yeah. yeah, but there was a guy who had said all this in the 60s. So it's just Google and all of them. It just looks like, and now they're now there's no tension span. So now nobody goes and what we're talking about, the percentage that will go and look for themselves. If they say take a vaccine, vaccines are okay. We'll go look it up, but they'll read that one minute quick. Google knows you're only going to spend one minute on there. Whatever comes up first, that must be true. That's right. Then we get to the doctors through Google or whatever else. Now the doctors, now the person, well, my doctor can't be wrong. You know, I've been going to him for 30 years. You know, my doctor says this, my teacher says this, my therapist says that. Well, people have never been uh, strong thinkers. So uh, in a way, you could say that it hasn't really changed. It's just that there's... They picked a good weak point. Well, yeah, just that there's, you know, the internet has bombarded us with so much content uh, and all kinds of hidden messaging and, you know, new methods of manipulation that people are unaware of. So, you know, we've always been, the the masses have always been pawns. They've always been pawns of people who want to control them for either for wealth or power. Uh, So that's, in, in some ways, things haven't changed that much, but some things have. So... This is where the tech stuff really gets scary. So let me just, uh, I promised this earlier, so this is a good point to do it. Thank you. We, we, we've been making discoveries about the creepy things that are happening online for more than 11 years now. And we just made another one about two weeks ago. And, you know, it's tremendously exciting. Your first reaction when you make a big discovery, it, it, it gives you a sense of satisfaction that just, it's there's, there's no greater sense of satisfaction you can have. This is better. That's better than orgasm. I mean, really, science. If you're doing good science and you're making breakthroughs, we have we have actually in our, in our uh, offices we have this big poster that we made of a quote from Mark Twain, in which he basically says this. He basically says that there's no greater satisfaction one could possibly have than the sense of discovery. So we actually have this, and we made a new discovery a couple of weeks ago. So let me explain it to you, and then you'll probably, if you're if you're like me, at first you'll go, "Oh wow, that's really interesting," and then you'll go, "Uh oh, oh wow, wait, that's really disturbing." And that's that's what happens with a lot of our discoveries. We're excited at first because we made a discovery, and we just found out something that no one's ever known in you know history of humankind. You and think, "What potential wow. could this have?" And then, yeah. and then you realize, "Oh no, oh, wait, boy. that's bad. That's this is a tool." That's being that's completely controlled by Google, and no one else can undo this if they want to use this power. Let me explain. So this is an effect. The very first effect we discovered was was called SEME, S-E-M-E, which stands for Search Engine Manipulation Effect. So we discovered that in 2013. We published about our research on that. A big big study, more than 4,000 people in two countries in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Uh, we've in in just the last two years we've published uh, papers on other new effects. We've published in Plus One, which is one of the top multidisciplinary journals in the world, and they all have acronyms. All these different SSE and uh, YME and so on. We just finished our first experiments on an effect we call DPE, Digital Personalization Effect. And let me explain how this works. In the past, past experiments, we've been showing some people in some groups biased content, and people in other groups, they're not getting biased content, or they're getting a different bias. So the bias might favor in one group 
candidate A and the other group might candidate favor candidate B. People are randomly assigned. And so we can show in that kind of experiment whether or not that bias can shift people arbitrarily one way or the other, and we can put a percentage on it. Okay, so we know how to do that. So we have a lot of experience with bias, and on multiple platforms, even on Alexa. So we have a perfect Alexa simulator. She talks, and she'll answer questions either with bias toward candidate A, bias toward candidate B, or no bias. And sure enough, we get these big shifts. So we know a lot about bias. DPE, we're adding something that we've never studied before, personalization. DPE is digital personalization effect. What does that mean? Well, if you're Google, sure enough, if you favor candidate A, you could show people search results in which uh, high search results, those links will take them to uh, articles, web pages that make candidate A look really good mm. or make candidate B look really bad or both. If for someone who's on the fence, that can easily just boom, just yeah. knock them right off in one direction and you've got them. And then we thought, but Google also knows a lot about the users, a tremendous amount. Among other things, they know all the news sources that those people trust. They know which channels they watch. They know which celebrities they like. So in these experiments, in the beginning, we always ask a lot of demographic questions, age, gender, education, and so on. We added some questions. So we added questions about which celebrities you most trust and like and which news sources you trust. And we just, a bunch of questions like that. Now, the experiment involves people in one group who are getting biased content. And in the other group, they're getting the same biased content, but we're labeling the news sources with the names of news sources and celebrities and talk show hosts mm. that people trust. Wow. And it's individualized. It's personalized. So every person is getting different labels based on what they told us about themselves. We're personalizing the content, which is exactly what Google does. They personalize the content that they're sending to everybody because they know everything about you. In the first group, where the data are biased, the content is biased, but not personalized, we get a shift in the direction of the favored candidate of about 20%, which is big. That's a big effect. That can make a big it's difference huge. in an election. If you can shift 20% of undecided voters in one direction, uh, that can flip an election if you've got enough undecided voters. The other group, the data are biased and personalized. The shift we got in that group was over 70%. That's mm. three times the wow. shift just because we're saying it comes from sources that you trust. Now you go back in time and look at all the work we've been doing all these years, and you go, wow, maybe we haven't really understood what's happening. Maybe we've been underestimating the power that Google has because we've only been looking at bias and we've never personalized it. Uh, Google is always wow. personalizing it, even if you don't sign into Google. Because say I put... Rob is a big Eagles fan. Yep. Okay. He likes uh, Hart, the quarterback. Say Hart was with just because, just the whatever. Say Rob is for uh, John Doe for president, but Hart is with John Doe. Now, Rob is a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan and a huge Hart 
quarterback fan, he sees that. He was thinking Trump, you know, Kennedy, Biden, whoever, maybe Vic, whatever. But he just saw heart with Joe D- John Doe. Now Rob's decided, well, if the Eagles are with heart, I'm going with John Doe. And just like that, Rob's with John Doe. Yeah. That's what you mean. Yeah, basically. exactly. And that, and that really does happen, just like with shoes. Like you'll see guys wear the dumbest shoes in the world, but if their favorite person has it, they have shoes. I'm just making it simple to see how crazy this is. This is crazy, and it turns out it's crazy simple for Google Google to do because they have so much information about us. And they take pride in personalizing content. Uh, my my late wife, Misty, she loved sure. the personalization. I always explained to her that you know it had to do with surveillance and it was creepy. And she said, no, no, no. Google is my personal shopper. <laughs> she loved it because they know all about her, so they're sending her stuff that she wants to buy. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. In that sense, it's beneficial, sure. Uh, in that sense, sure. So they take pride in doing that, but what this means is they have enormous power, in addition to the power we already knew they had, to manipulate. If you can personalize content, you can manipulate people far more effectively. That's a discovery that we just made a couple of weeks ago. It'll be quite a while, six months to a year, before we publish that, but that's called DPE. You're the first to hear it. Thank you. Yeah. And that sounds... Now, it, but isn't it true that at first yeah. when you hear that, you go, wow, that's yeah, and then you go, wow, wait a minute, they have that power? Yeah, because at first I, I did what you did. Yeah. I, I thought business, I thought marketing. Wow, this is great. You know, you could take yeah. it and you could personalize marketing. Yeah. But then as you go further, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You could really do a lot of damage with this. Because you can personalize the content that you're using to shift people's opinions on anything. On anything. Wow. One of the papers we just submitted, in fact, people can get a glimpse at this. It's, it's at, let's see if I can remember now. Multiple, nah, I'm, I'm forgetting that. It's a, it's a brand new URL we just made for this, but it's brand new research. And what we're doing is, oh, multipletopicsresearch.com. Okay, multiple text topics. us and I'll pop it in right here. Yeah, yeah, so this is brand new. This is brand new. Multipletopicsresearch.com. Uh, and you'll get to a manuscript that's just that's been submitted to a scientific journal, and you'll see in this in this study, we're we're not using candidates, we're instead using topics like fracking and sexual orientation, whatever. We're using different topics. And what we show is that we send when we send people biased search results, taking one position or another on that topic, anti-fracking, pro-fracking, okay. Uh, gays are born, gays are made, right. okay? Uh, when, we, when we do this, we send them biased search results that favor one position or another, we get shifts. We get shifts. In other words, you can use this power, you can use this power to change people's views if they're undecided on anything multiple topics research.com and you'll actually see the manuscript so this is you know we have a lot of work like this that's in progress it is tremendously exciting and tremendously disturbing you've had to have dug in dug into this this whole trans thing yeah where they're mutilating their bodies you know peter mccullough was in here he came in a third time just to explain how bad it is mentally and and because these People get brainwashed into this, and then McCall, you know, Peter McCall and a few other guys, they they go 
fix the mess from later and more than just physically. What What is it with this? This whole cut your body part off and change into a guy or a woman. You know, it seems to me that, you know, the gays have fought for so long to have some rights to get married, to do whatever they want, you know, and now they got it. And now they got to come with this whole other craziness. Because if you talk to gay people, like a gay couple, they're like, what is, what is this? You know, <laughs> like we, we've right. worked for however long to have some rights and now we're cutting things off and all this other stuff. Right. You know, you're making, you're destroying what we finally got now. So where is all this coming from? What is Google involved in this? This one I can't wrap my head around other than Big Pharma. Uh, well, depopulation, maybe I guess. I I I also am baffled, but we are on it, and it's in the yeah. sense that uh, I think a lot of these messages, a lot of this messaging that's spreading so quickly, and people are are some people are adopting and acting on all these crazy messages. Uh, we think a lot of it is coming from the tech companies, and the data we're collecting are going to allow us over time to figure this out. Right. You know, where does the messaging start? And uh, who is spreading it? Uh, why is it spreading so quickly? When you set up a kind of monitoring system we have, we call this our TechWatch project, by the way. If people go to techwatchproject.org, you can get a lot of information about the, the general kind of monitoring system we've set up, americasdigitalshield.com. We've taken a peek at a uh, kind of a preview of what that's going to look like. That'll be up very soon. And, you know, the TechWatch project is all about capturing massive amounts of data which have never been captured before, archiving it, analyzing it. The fact that it's archived means we can go back in time and try to figure stuff out that we don't understand. Like the, you know, the sex change stuff, which is kind of spread so crazily so that and now we have young kids wanting to change their genders and, and then, we have and then oddly enough they're attacking those kids on top of that that have like autism that have issues you know so as a behavioral you know scientists psychologists all the things they are i mean that is just evil you're going to go after a kid that's already got a disability and and you're going to tell him Hey, maybe you should do this. And when I had done my own little research, it seemed to me that they were going for, say, you're in school and you're not the most popular person. Well, you make another bathroom. Now the unpopular people go to this bathroom where they're secure. And now those people are there and they have friends and there's somebody to get along with because nobody's around. Well, the cool thing is to get a body part change, but don't tell mom or daddy. But it gives them a home, like a, a, a group. They're a little cult, right? When really, they just need some mental help. Just need somebody to talk to them. Maybe care about them. Maybe ask them how their day was. Or maybe the counselor to do their real job and say, hey, Charlie, how are you today? That's what it seems to me is that, you know, like when we were in high school, I was a jerk. I'd throw a cupcake at a, a kid in the lunchroom. I was playing football. You know, now that kid goes and says, okay, well, I want to be trans because I can fit in then. Do you see that? I, I have concerns along those lines. Yes, because the fact is that the, the internet, uh, 
is a, is a new source of influence that's never existed before. It's being used in some very creepy ways, and it's creating odd phenomena, odd behavioral phenomena. Uh, one of them is having these new kind of uh, b- diseases, these new, like the behavioral tick thing that mm. s- spread like wire f- wildfire, and then all of a sudden there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of young people who had these incredible ticks. Yeah. Ticks being spread over the internet. We're also talking about beliefs, you know, extreme odd beliefs that that are probably not really uh, based on, uh, on, on anything legitimate. But the point is, yeah, you can put it into people's heads. You can create new norms. You can put it into people's heads that, you know, if you're not fitting in, it could be because you're living the life of a female and in fact you really should be living the life of a male and you can now where did that idea come from again who started it and then who authorized its spread when i say authorized its spread i i mean that because the the tech companies have complete control it's not 98% it's 100% they have complete control over what goes viral and what doesn't right so who made this story? I mean, where it came from originally, that's one question, but I'm more interested in why are these companies allowing certain kinds of things to spread, certain kinds of belief systems, certain kinds of norms, and why? You know, wh- why are they doing this? What is the agenda here? Uh, you know, what is their rationale? Will they even tell us? Is it possible it's recorded somewhere in emails inside the company? I mean... I want to know why these why these norms and these belief systems, which are obviously appearing all around us, why they're being spread by the tech companies. And they are being spread by the tech companies. Right, because they have to hit the authorization box, the OK, publish. Well, they have the, the, the accelerator knob. Saw, yeah, yeah. They, they turn that knob the all the way pedal, up, baby. The gas pedal. So. Yeah. They, they, you know, people don't understand. They think this the virality is like winning the lottery. No, it's, it's nothing not, like that. No. no, because they pick and choose. They pick and choose. Now we know that from the Twitter files. We know that from whistleblowers. We know absolutely they have a hundred percent control. So why these particular beliefs? Why these particular norms? Now I don't really have an answer. I, I hear you, as as a as a. Not not just as a you know online personality. I hear you as a dad saying, "Why? Where's this coming? Why? Why? Why?" And I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And I know that the way to find out, the way to keep track, the way to keep a, really get a handle on this stuff, is large scale monitoring. Which brings me to one more link, which is my GoogleResearch.com, mm-hmm. because that's got videos on it. It's got links to a lot of our uh, uh, publications, articles I've written, and it's got donate buttons. So I'm going to make a specific request uh, for your audience. We are we have now more than 12,000 field agents in all 50 states. That's a small fraction of what we have to have so that we have court admissible evidence in all 50 states. So we're but we're getting there. We're adding 30 to 60 new people a day. I have this incredible team of recruiters and tech people and it's almost 50 people, you go, and the recruitment is very tough. We have to approach 100 people before one person says, yeah, okay, 
I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and we only pay them $25 a month. Wow. So these people are really doing a service for all of us by letting us monitor big tech content through their computers. And we protect their identities. They sign NDAs. It's a long process. We have to train them. Very labor-intensive, very expensive. Let's forget all the staff stuff. Let's Just the $25 a month we pay them. If you've got 12,000 people, I mean, do the math. Is that... Isn't that about $300,000 a month? It would be. Just in those tiny little fees. So we we started a a national campaign. Uh, It's not really all over the place online yet, but at some point it will be, but I'm mentioning it now in interviews, which is sponsor a field agent. We call these people our field agents. In some cases, their kids, you know, the parents have signed up their kids too, so we can look at content going into their kids' devices. This is critically important. If you really want to understand what's going on, we've got to have this content, and we've got to keep collecting it more and more and more, and we have to archive it and make it available to various authorities and researchers. This is not optional for humanity. No. This must be done because there's no other way for us to understand what's happening around us, understanding who won that election? How did that happen? That's not what the pollster said. How did that happen? Well, you've got to know whether they're sending out, in a partisan fashion, go-vote reminders on election day. You've got to know that because if they're doing that, that has to be reported to authorities instantaneously, and a, a restraining order has to be issued, and they have to stop. And that's the only way it stops. That's the only way it stops. It's the only way, period. The only way to stop it is you have to catch them. Yeah. And we're talking about you know, norms and values and beliefs. We have to have large-scale monitoring permanently going forward to catch not just Google, but the next Google. This has to be a big part of what humanity does. So my googleresearch.com, you can sign up to, to become a sponsor of a field agent. $25 a month sponsors one field agent. We've had, We've only started this a few weeks ago. At the moment, we have a few hundred people who've signed up, but some of those people have signed up to sponsor four, which means a hundred dollars a month. We've had one person who signed up to do a thousand dollars a month, believe it or not, and that's a lot of field agents. I think that's forty field agents. The point is, we need to keep this system permanently going. That's going to take tens of thousands of Americans who are sponsoring field agents now. Some of you out there are probably thinking, well, I'd be happy to sign up and be a field agent, and I'll do it for free. Believe it or not, Mm -hmm. we get messages like that every single day, especially after I do an interview. But then I have to explain after I have a sip. (laughs) I have to explain with great apologies. I always we have a cut and paste thing. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm thrilled that you want to help us, but for privacy reasons, for security reasons. We can't accept volunteers. Why not? Because if we accepted volunteers, Google would send us thousands of volunteers. They have 100,000 employees, but also working on the outside, we know they have at least 16,000 people they call consultants who are not employed by the company, but they're used for various purposes. They're like PIs. I know. Yeah. Almost PIs for Google. Yeah. And Google would send us thousands of volunteers. We know because they have sent us people. 
So we know positively that they would. I mean, if I were Google, that's what I would do. Of course. I mean, this is you would do that with any company. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know. So we can't take volunteers, but we we need people to volunteer to sponsor field agents. Those are people that we find by reaching out to registered voters, and we literally contact them personally. We talk to them on the phone. We vet them. We interview them. We train them. We equip them. And we have to do this one by one by one. But we're, you know, and it's, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work and it sounds expensive, all true. But we're doing it because we're now past 12,400. And that's awesome. I know. Awesome well, I remember, you know, it wasn't yeah. that long ago we yeah. were, we only had a couple of thousand and now we're past yeah. 12,000. And we're going to get to much higher numbers because we've hit our minimums that we need to have court admissible evidence in 10 states out of the 50. So we're in all 50 states, but we've hit those minimum threshold numbers in 10 states so far. Uh, Within the next few weeks, we expect we'll hit those minimums in three more states. This is so important. The way to keep this going and the way to make it grow and the way to make it permanent, we're going to have around the country, we're going to have tens of thousands of Americans who for at least a year or two, they are sending in $25 a month to our nonprofit, nonpartisan 501c3 public charity, fully tax deductible. Got to emphasize that. And we're going to have this kind of rotation: tens of thousands of Americans sponsoring field agents, and that will allow us to make sure that this system goes on forever. And it has to go on forever because you know we're going to be surrounded by surveillance tools that have, you know, uh, we're talking about IoT, the Internet of Things. We're talking about clothing that's going to monitor what we do, glasses that are going to monitor what we do, et cetera. You know, the problems that we have so far with tech, they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The AI stuff is going to be more and more scary, more threatening. Nothing can stop this. But what we have to do is shine a light on what's happening so that so that at least we're 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 creating a paper trail to help us understand what's going on and in some cases to get these companies to stop to back off we know we can get them to back off because in 2020 I sent a lot of our data to Senator Ted Cruz's office yeah you know about this yeah. and Cruz and two other senators sent a threatening letter mm-hmm. to uh, the CEO of Google and that was November 5th, 2020, right after the presidential election. And on that same day, Google pulled out of Georgia. They stopped manipulating uh, Georgia, which was gearing up for two Senate runoff elections. This was November 5th. We saw them I I couldn't do this. believe that happened. They, we saw them. We had more, we had more than 1,000 field agents in Georgia. Congratulations. Yeah, and we and we were we preserved more than a, a million ephemeral experiences in Georgia during those, that two month period. We saw them flip the switch. No more bias in search results going to Georgia, and we've never seen that before. They went to zero, and they stopped sending out those partisan go vote reminders from that day forward until that election. Not a single person in Georgia got any go vote reminder from Google. They just turned it off. So, so it can be done. It can be done, and, and twenty five bucks helps, right? Just do you, if somebody watching this listens to this, just help one person. Twenty five bucks. MyGoogleResearch.com. dot com. My Google fully tax deductible. Yep. Not optional. This is necessary 
for humanity. It's necessary for us to protect our democracy. It's necessary for us to protect our children and to protect ourselves because, you know, I don't like to think about it, but the fact is now and then I'm undecided about something or other, like which which Thai food place to go to yeah. or something. And whenever you're undecided on something, the tech companies, Google more than any, they have the ability to push you one way or the other and you want, I mean, you could literally go onto google.com and you're, you're trying to figure out which, which is the best Thai food restaurant in the area. And you could probably type in what's the best Thai food restaurant around here. And Google displays, they might give you the answer in an answer box. They might display, you know, a, a listing of reviews. I mean, all, the point is you hand, as soon as you ask, ask that question, you've given them the power. And I mean the power. To tell you. What to do, basically. Exactly. And you're, and you're going to... And this... I'm as vulnerable to this as anyone. I, even though I know exactly how it works, I'm vulnerable to this. Because I don't want to... I'm not going to look at the second page of, <laughs> and the third and the fourth and the fifth. Of course, I will say I don't use Google anymore. Are you still using Brave? I'm using Brave for, still for search Brave. and Brave for uh, my browser. And if I'll give out, I guess, one more link. So I'm breaking my promise. <laughs> MyPrivacyTips.com. If you want to know how to protect yourself Ooh. and your family, go to MyPrivacyTips.com. And it's it's an essay of, that I wrote, and it begins, I have not received a targeted ad on my mobile phone or computer since 2014. And we will have that in the beginning, and especially the donating to keep uh, everybody working and going because th there, isn't, there isn't an option. You have to. You have to. So, five bucks helps. Do it. $25 a month, mygoogleresearch.com, and myprivacytips.com. You want to get started on protecting your privacy. And yes, what I do is scary. And yes, I'm scared, but I'm not going to stop. Have UFOs come here? You knew I was going to ask you this. Do you think they've actually come? I don't think they have. Um, I wish. I wish too. I really, really, really. You're the one who was supposed to come and tell me that you have evidence that you have data that they've been here. No, I think that if if they've been here and if uh, especially if they've been coming for a long time, um, you know, remember, aliens are going to be different one from another, just like we differ one from another. So there might be aliens who want to hide their presence, you know, but over a long period of time, there there at least be one or two or five uh, that would. They would they would come and land right in front of the White House and would say hi, you know, and 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 they would not hide themselves. So the fact that we 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 don't have any rock solid. I mean, we don't have aliens walking down the street. We don't have aliens saying, you know, who's in charge? Where's the president? The fact that we don't have that 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 we don't have or a piece of craft. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like now you know all the whistleblowers in the planet, right? Yeah. You know you're you're in this world, so. Whenever something happens, somebody talks eventually. Yeah. So as long as we've known, nobody has a piece of a craft. No one. Everybody has a story, but no one has an actual piece. Not not just that, but that guy who testified before Congress a few months ago, who was a really an, an insider, yeah. you know, if you if it's you look hearsay. very carefully, it was all hearsay. all hearsay. Every single thing he said is stuff he heard from other people. Yeah, nothing was direct. All hearsay, all hearsay. So then, uh, just a couple of last things. So when you're using UFOs to deflect, Dr. Epstein, geez, Louise, 
UFOs out of nowhere. You know, you wake up one day. Hey, uh, there's a line now to uh, anybody who's out in the anybody who's drinking some moonshine tonight that's out out in the field. If you see uh, something go by, here's the line to report it to. Yeah. You know, is this all just deflect, 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 deflect from the border, deflect from the spending, deflect from the AI, from Google? Is that what all this BS? ideas are that just keep popping up no i think there's more to it i think people uh you know they we all grew up with sci-fi with comic books all that stuff and people uh are not clear thinkers people hallucinate people misinterpret information (laughs) people uh, you know honestly believe that they've been uh kidnapped by aliens and uh you know uh I think that we're talking about a combination of maybe deflection, but also just of mental health issues uh, that <laughs> that hu- humans have. Look, I'm with yeah. you on this point. Yeah, you know we've discussed this, and I'm with you. I want the aliens. Me too. Give me an alien. Get Give me a spacecraft. But at the moment, unfortunately, I would say no, not yet. It hasn't happened. And you know, there's a lot of speculation out there among scientists uh, regarding that issue. Why not? Why aren't they here, right? There's, there's got to be. In fact, I once calculated myself. There have to be even in just in our own galaxy, and there are hundreds of billions of galaxies. But even just in our own galaxy, there have to be at least, I figure, at least a hundred. No, sorry, at least a thousand species out there that are at least as intelligent as we are. There have to be. Where are they? So, all kinds of theories. The one, unfortunately, that creeps me out the most, and unfortunately sounds very real to me is interface? that when hmm? the interface uh dr hoffman no oh, i thought you would go with that one no i go i'm going i'm leaning toward this one that when a civilization you know gets sophisticated enough so that they can they can fly in space they also have developed weapons of mass destruction and i think it's very very possible that you know, civilization after civilization, when it's starting to get out there in space, huh. it destroys itself. That makes sense. And they go back to the Dark Ages, you know, just like, uh, you know, this that we, we might end up there in <laughs> five to ten years. It's looking like we're, we're on the brink of it now. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. It's just the cycle that continues. You get to a certain technological point, and then you bubble yourselves up. Well, what's worse than that is, think about it. Go ahead in that civilization that destroyed itself. They're back in the Dark Ages. A thousand years pass. Now they're technological again. They start to fly in space and they destroy themselves again. So literally, this is a pattern that could be occurring over and over again through, throughout the universe. It, it, it could be so rare that that's why we don't see them. That's why we've never seen them. That's why we don't have any actual, real, hard evidence. I want spaceship landing in front of the white house i want some people coming out saying howdy that's what i want i'd like to talk to you yeah (laughs) Yeah. let's chat (laughs) let's have a talk yeah well maybe next time when you come back and you have some data that says uh a satellite that you're tapped into saw something (laughs) maybe so that i can actually be like yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> all right i know you gotta you gotta get going don't you yep all right well thank you for your time and uh dr epstein really thank you i appreciate it you know how much i get excited when you say i might be coming i'm coming 
So whenever you're around or whenever you have time, let me know, please. Fly it's an back absolute, in with everything perfect for you. Absolute pleasure. Uh, I, I, you know, I've enjoyed my first appearance. Now this is my second. And I'm going to keep a count from now on. And I love chatting with you. I love the the, the attitude you have towards just learning and understanding and speculating and it's really fun it's fun it's just fun talking to you oh thank you thank you i want to ask you real quick stem cells hmm. what do you think about the stem cells because i've noticed that go like when big pharma's involved in all this too obviously we know but when you search for something like stem cells like what what's the best stem cell for a rotator cuff now if i call somebody i know in portugal that doctor will tell me like this but if i look on google hmm. It no, no good. This problem, blah 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 blah. So they're even in cahoots with the big pharma. So when somebody, and I'm just saying this because there's a lot of people that I've crossed when they search medication and things like that, they trust Google like it's, you know, sure, the, the sure one answer. Well, Google is the gateway. It's the gateway to all information, and they have partnerships with big industries, big companies, and they're going to tell us what serves their interests and the interests of their business partners. They're not, they're not going to tell us things that serve our interests. Personalization is not for our benefit, even though Misty, my, my wife, thought, you know, they're, this is my personal shopper. <laughs> that, that's not what it's being done for. That wasn't being done for her benefit. It's being done for the benefit of these companies and their partners. And that's the way things are. You know, we got to... To some extent, you know, we live in an imperfect world. And to some extent, we have to face up to it. And sure, stem, stem cell stuff, uh, it's going to be hard to find the truth. You literally would have to do your own research, contacting, you know, I just experts. wanted to make that point that that's how crazy it is. You can't even find out about a stem cell if they don't want you to. That is correct. Gateway to all knowledge, which means they decide for more than 5 billion people around the world what content you are allowed to see and what content you cannot see. And, you know, now we're back to Orwell because, you know, if you can control the information, you control everything. They control the information. And in some sense, they control everything, which brings me all the way back to Dwight Eisenhower, 1961, his final speech as president. Yes, he warned about the rise of a military-industrial complex, but he also warned about the rise of a technological elite that can control public opinion and, it turns out, individual thinking and behavior without anyone knowing. And that's where we are today. So one of the essays I wrote recently is called The Technological Elite Are Now in Control. That's where we are today and if you're hesitant about donating tell everyone what the internet of things are that scares me just as much as anything else internet of things we're talking about our washer our dryer our you name it our refrigerator everything is going to be internet connected a lot of the new stuff that's being sold appliances of every sort are internet connected they're all spying on us they're they're all part of this this incredible uh this army of, of surveillance uh, technology and you know it's not just you know signing into Google uh, that, that that gets you to give away personal information about yourself it's just breathing breathing at the moment because Google bought Fitbit yes yeah, so right. they're getting physiological data last thing what's your stance on Apple or are, are they 
are you how are you feeling with them? Well, they're collecting the data at the moment. They're not misusing it, as far as anyone can tell. But they did sign a you know they they signed deals. I mean, yeah, they they bend it a little bit. Well, the point is, what's critical in Apple is who the leadership is. Yeah. And right now, you know, Tim Cook, pretty cool guy, I guess. But you don't know how the leadership's going to change. So right. Apple could could adopt the surveillance business model, which Google invented. A- Apple could could do that tomorrow. Who knows? All right, well, make sure you come back. And thank you so much for your time. And we'll have all that in the front in the beginning of the, of the episode. And it's like I said, keep keep chugging and keep texting me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest-growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash mscs the link is in the description below this podcast is brought to you by monster energy tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet monster energy it's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only monster can monster packs a powerful punch has a smooth easy drinking flavor athletes musicians co-eds road warriors metalheads geeks hipsters and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy.